Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody, it is your good friend, Dr. David Proden from down here in the North Star Recording Studio, wishing you a very happy Monday, April 25th, 2022, where it is a brisk 38 degrees outside, which is, yes, of course, 24 degrees below normal and 40 degrees below our high temperature on Saturday. So we are in for a week of 20 to 25 degrees below normal, making this a continuation of the 50 to 60 days of record low here in southern Wisconsin for temperatures. But if you're listening to this, you're in Florida or California or Costa Rica, it's probably much warmer. Appreciate what you have. Um, So it is the safety dock, and I see we have our good friend Solitude Surfer in the house. So welcome, Solitude. Appreciate you being here. And as typical, the past few weeks, uh, we have a slow start of the rest of the crew coming in. Toy Town is here in all pro Lemonton. So look at that. I say it and they appear. So thank you. Thank you, all pro and, and Toy Town. So, yes, um, I was just mentioning that uh, it is it is 38 degrees here. And like the high temperatures for the next five days will be like 40. So you can't, and you know, rain. So you can't bike. Saul Pro Leviton, every time I see the biking image, right? Which I love um, for you, but uh, it makes me sad because I am usually, um, I mean, by April 25th, I am probably four or five rides, you know, into the season already, you know, I'm, I'm probably gearing up. I start off with about 40 miles and, you know, once I, once I get maybe six, eight weeks and then I start increasing to where I get up to like a hundred miles. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been able to do a ride yet. When I say that, like technically, I guess I could do a ride, but I'm not, I'm not doing a ride in 40 degree temperature. Um, there's just, it, I'm just not. So it is our good friend, Alex Patino. Patino. Hey, Alex, appreciate you being in the house. Hey, what's up? Not our temperatures. Holy smokes, man. It is cold here. So I didn't have a fire tonight, but I'm going to have to have one in the next couple of days. And this is really weird uh, to have fires this late in the season. I still have a core, little under a quart of firewood, so you know it can make things work, but uh, it's crazy. So, yeah, very unusual um, weather. It's just very cold. Um, you know, I was, I was out today. I took in our laptop, our family laptop. The battery is dying and it also has windows seven. So it needs to be updated to windows 10. I don't know if it needs to be, but it's going to be. And we have an awesome, um, tech place in town. So it's kind of a one man operation, but this guy is phenomenal. And, um, so he is doing that. And then the other big news down here in the studio is uh, that my main CPU, which I had made in 2014, I say it made, 
I sat down with with uh, the guy. It was a different place in our town, and we ordered like every single component for this, and then he built it. So you know, it's pretty awesome. Um, and the thing is, like, it has a DVD drive and all of the different ports for the cards, the card readers, right? So I don't want to. I replace the entire thing, but it does need. Um, I'm starting to have some issues with RAM. I had a couple error codes come up with RAM, which is never a good thing. Um, you know, but again, you know, I've had this this eight years. 3.3 uh, gigahertz processor, Intel's uh, seven. So I'm running 30, 32 gig of RAM. I can run 64. So I have five hard drives in this thing. <laughs> so um, one is solid state, which runs the operating system. But I'm going to basically have him. Uh, one of the fans died also, so you know, just you know, upgrade the the fan. Uh, we'll stay with the processor. Uh, we'll put in new RAM, and um, I think we'll replace all of the the drives that are in there, except the existing solid state that uh, boosts the the main system. That one can probably stay. Um, and then, yeah, you know, just kind of that's an upgrade from Windows Seven to Windows Ten. So I have Windows Seven Pro, so it'll go up to Windows Ten, and and then also throw in a new graphics card. I am running three monitors, which I've always done on this, but to upgrade the graphics card, so I have more RAM on the graphics card. But other than that, I don't really, um, you know, need. I don't need a whole like complete rebuild on the system. Although I guess that is a pretty extensive rebuild. Um, so. Yeah, so we met to, today. I took the other, I took the laptop down, and then I, I was talking about the desktop and said I will disconnect everything. But I'm in, I'm using it right now. And one of the things that's going on for me is my book is the Velocity of Information right here, which if you haven't bought, by golly, get in there and buy it right now, off of Amazon. Um, it has three reviews, although it's it's selling very well. And this isn't like an Amazon sold book. So if you look at Amazon and it's like 400 in sales, it's doing much better than that. It's just that it's um, so I can bring up how it's selling in Germany and and England and stuff like that. So I know internationally the book is doing really, really well, um, has already received one award. It's up for another significant award. Uh, so book is book is doing great. Um, but it has three reviews in the US, which is just like, come on. I know a lot of you have read the book <laughs> and I sent out like a ton of books to people who were, you know, mentioned in the, in the book and contributed to interviews and so forth. And, and so like, get in there, get some reviews. You know, I know it takes time to get through the book and just other things going on, but get in there and put a, put a review up for the philosophy of information. And the big thing with reviews is like, take a picture of the book whether it's like the book next to a fire, you know, like your fire pit or something like that, not in the fire pit or the book, like on a canoe or the book, like steering your car down a road or something like that, you know, but uh, that helps SEO. So um, anyway, I, I am listening right now, the narrator, the professional narrator, and I cannot tell you who it is yet from, TV and it just is awesome. I am so thrilled. And uh, but until everything is done and everything is signed off, um, then I can announce and informally indicate. But um, he is is working through this um, in the next like five to six days, and then it will be done. The book will be completely narrated. So I've been listening 
and then double checking against um, everything that he's reading and giving feedback on that. I mean, like the guy's a, a ultra professional, right? So like, you know, there might be one or two things like I'll, I'll note, but it's a thrill to listen to him narrate this book. Um, you know, and as we had the prep for it and conversation of how the book came to be and kind of the tone of the book. But um, so I'm thrilled with that. Um, but right now I cannot take my, my main desktop out of commission because if I, if I do, I can't listen. Well, I guess I can, like I have my, my laptop, but, um, I'd rather kind of have my main system here until that is done. And then I'm going to take the main system offline, um, for however, the thing is like, he'll take it and within two days, he'll be able to tell me everything that needs to be done and, and whatever and then he could order the parts and then whatever it takes but then you know i'm going from windows 7 to 10 so i don't know how much i'm going to lose in software i've uploaded and just other stuff and things so um so yeah but again i do have a, a nice laptop built about the same time i already had that one updated to windows 10 but it's not really meant to do i don't have it set up for like podcasting and um Anyway, I'm kind of like thrown off a little bit here because I, I delayed upgrading the, the PC, um, the guts of the PC until I had some of these big things I, like the book, right? Like, yeah, I'm not going to have the, I'm not going to have the PC upgrade it while I'm writing the book and getting feedback. I need the PC and my three monitors, stuff like that. So now that that's done. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what's happening for me. Um, this is uh, all pro Lemonton. Snow last Monday, 80 today. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, it was 80 here on Saturday, and today it, the high was 40. And it's, and it's lower. And we're getting, in overnight, be like 27. And then tomorrow be 40, and the next day be 40. But that 80 was a one-time off, off thing. So we've been, this is the coldest on record for like the a 50 days trailing for like my area. Which is atypical because I live in southern Wisconsin, and you know, usually this time of year it's in the 60s, pretty consistently. But so uh, it's pretty disheartening to have it overcast and cold. You know, you just don't want to do anything outside. There's a plus in that you know your lawn doesn't grow and stuff like that. Like it's all kind of postponed. But uh, 60 today, Massachusetts. I would take, I would take a 60. So my attitude changes significantly once it warms up and it's sunny. I have, I think I shared with you last year, I have my lawn chair, which I, my, which I ordered for <laughs> sitting out on my driveway, you know, and I did that last year in summer. So whatever, at the end of the day, you know, like six, seven o'clock, a couple hours of sunlight left, I'd sit out there and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Just hanging out on my driveway and my lawn chair. Like I'm up by my house. I'm not like by the road. Um, but just to have the sun kind of soak it in and just chill it out. So I did that a little bit on Saturday, but so good friend Robert Ribbit Harrison, who loves zero white oil, and I don't blame him because it's awesome. So yeah, I run well, I run zero white oil in my one vehicle. It requires it. The other is five weight, but it is all mobile one synthetic, which to me is awesome. I'm a big believer in frequent oil changes and mobile one uh, full synthetic for the life of the vehicle. Uh, just, and we, we always buy new vehicles. Not when I say that, don't take that out of context. It's not like, Oh, doc is always buying a new vehicle. No, we buy a vehicle for like, keep it for like 15, 17 years. But 
I buy it new because I do not trust how it was taken care of before. So I would rather buy something new where I know how it's been treated right than to buy something, even if it's low mileage, unless like I really, really am sure of the history. So yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome. And uh, things are things are going um, well here. Like I said, um, both of my my books, The Velocity of Information, is being narrated right now professionally. Um, so it's, the strange part of this book is that it will be completely narrated, and I will have it up on Find Away Voices in the next month, right? And the companion document I'm building out, which is really awesome, that goes with it. But you cannot buy this book until April 3rd, 2023, by contract of my publisher. So, <laughs> so it's a weird thing. It's it's just a strange, it's a strange quirk with that book because um, it, it had to be one year beyond the print release. So uh, School of Airs, by the way, um, is out right now. It has 49 reviews. If you want to be the 50th review, you'll be my hero. It's been at 49 for way too long. But anyway, um, this book is coming out in paperback July 15th. So if you don't want to spend the 30 bucks to get it, you can spend 22 and get it in paperback. Um, this will be an audio narrated by me. So I completed narrating this a uh, week or two ago. And now the sound engineer who I saw today actually is uh, just finishing out the files. And as soon as he's done with that, you know, I'll have all of them uploaded. And, and then, um, so really, I'm probably going to time this for like July 15th, just so it releases at the same time the delayed paperback does. It kind of, I guess, makes sense to me that they come out at the same time. Um, so, so yes, it's narrated by me. Now, with the caveat, I'm not a professional narrator. My sound engineer is awesome, so he makes this sound terrific. And there's a lot of like my energy and passion in the narration of this book. I had a great time doing it. I learned a lot. But... Um, it is not, you know, so I have that. And then philosophy of information, which is professionally narrated by an actor who's on TV. You're like, oh, my God, I listened to the two and I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> he is he's incredible. Right. And but you will receive the pricing difference, the pricing on uh, the Velocity or on uh, School of Airs that I narrate. It will be a uh, very low and accessible because, again, I'm not a professional narrator and I'm not going to charge you a premium for that. Um, so and I think it's going to be fun for you to listen to Doc. I mean, that's a first person book where I'm just speaking to you. Velocity of Information um, really needed a professional, uh, established professional narrator because, you know, 10 people entrusted me to their interviews. You know, Larry Lawton, Linda Stone, Robert Travis, Aaron Sawyer, so on, um, that I needed to find somebody who would be able to um, manage the the different voices in the different dialogue. Not necessarily like, like adapting the voices, emulating the style of the presentation of these people. So, um, and he's done a lights out job. So, um, but yeah, School of Errors is, is going to be, it's unique because it's in my voice and it's kind of this like persistent rage, <laughs> but I think you're going to like it. If you know me, like you're going to like it. Um, so it's a punchy book and it's very, it's a punchy narration. Good evening, gentlemen and ladies. This is our good friend, Sass, one too many, our cannonball run friend. So, um, yes, um, Sass, hey, buddy. 
Welcome, 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 former guest on the show. So this is episode 179, by the way. We will get into it. I don't have Juan Brown as a guest tonight, although Juan and I have been in communication. He, uh, I sent him the, the book where I interviewed him and have a picture of Juan, and um, he's going to write a review, so he's happy. Um, this is titled, this uh, tonight we're going to talk about Juan Brown, the Orville Dam, and Citizen as Journalist which was, again, part of the velocity of information. We'll get into that in a little bit. So, But yes, it is our good friend, the Bacon here. Bacon from Inglewood. Thank you, Bacon. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Hope all is well. Just left a conversation about gun control. Take a while. Take a while to guess how I took that. So, yeah, you know, one of one of the things I was, um, I was talking about School of Errors recently, and I said, you know, what makes the book unique? One of the things that makes the book unique is the book is not about Second Amendment and about gun control, right? So, um, you know, that is that was very important when I when I took on the topic of school safety was to not write a book about two A and gun control because I think there are are greater overarching areas of school safety, right? That anybody can be a school safety vendor and come into a school and say, hey, like. You have two hundred and fifty thousand from the state to spend on safety stuff. Well, here's some bollards, and here's some like you know new cameras, stuff like that. So I wanted to get into the system stuff. So, um, so that's where I think you know School of Errors really stands out as being a book that doesn't drive people down the path that ninety nine percent of other books about school safety do. Um, you know, which is right. Um, Second Amendment and uh, I don't know uh, weapons identification. I, it's, it's just School of Errors is refreshing, right? It's really it's a really good book. Um, this is G twenty three. Hey buddy, it's Ed. He's giving a shout out to our good friend Robert Rivet Harrison, who is a big fan of uh, Mobile One or no oil at all, just running no oil, no oil, air filter, just let it go. So, which works for a while until it doesn't. Um, it's our good friend, Andrew. How do you get the girls? Andrew, I would say you dress well and you don't have to spend a lot of money. So I had a friend in college who always wore, this was interesting. His name is uh, Tony. Tony always wore a suit to, to class always. And he bought his suits at Goodwill or Bethesda or whatever, like our equivalent to Goodwill at the college was. So he'd pay like 10 bucks total. If it was that, it might have been less. And um, he always wore a suit to class. I don't think he ever got these things dry clean. He probably like wore them, you know, and then eventually moved on to another one. And but back at that time, we're talking like 1992, three, four. Um, you know, it was these things were pretty abundant in goodwill stores because what happened? Like people would probably die and the families would donate the clothing, and you'd have some pretty decent suits and Tony would be able to pick up a suit for $10. And that was just his thing. Like he was always dressed in a suit and that he, and, and he shared that with me. He's like, I get all of these suits. Literally my, my wardrobe is like a hundred bucks. And you know, if anything happens to it, then just move on to something else. So um, you can do that game off of eBay, but then the whole sizing thing gets a little iffy, but we have a, a, a big goodwill, a newer goodwill where I live. And actually this sport coat is from that goodwill. The sport coat was uh, seven dollars, I believe, total. So, um, yes, 
And I tried on a couple others that were pretty cool. I didn't get, but like, so seven bucks. I wore this quite a bit. So I've worn it quite a bit. Um, and yeah, it's BV Luminous. <laughs> it's BV Luminous. Hey, buddy. Um, G23 is Andrew. It's uh, Sass. The thing about Florida, so many gun ads on the radio, plus AR every Sunday night. Yeah. But Florida's warm. The only thing, like I would move to Florida, I believe, in an instant, if it was just up to me. I'd probably do like a panhandle, like a Valparaiso, Port St. Joe's type area for me. Uh, but I would do it like without hesitation. Um, I do not mind heat and humidity. Actually, I I embrace it. <laughs> like those are my best days here. Like I will bike if it's 90 degrees and humid. Um, I adjust. I'll, it's Wisconsin, so you have to have some adjustment to it. But um the thing is, like snakes and alligators and and the stuff like that, I'd have to be coached on. You know, like I, I you don't in, encounter those things up here. You know, we don't have uh, the poisonous snakes where I live, or alligators, or you know, once in a while a bear. But otherwise, it's pretty. You're pretty safe. Um, but. Interesting. When I win Powerball tonight, I'll wear a suit. You should. And then just like keep, you know, promoting my book and interview. Make a suit that has images of the book on it. You have enough money to do that. I would give you the image. You could do that. Um, I forgot about So I, I think I told you guys this. Maybe not, but. Um, when I was growing up, we had a place up north. On the lake. By the way, I didn't pay my daughter to have a dance rehearsal. I'm going to be a dance rehearsal yesterday. And in order to like conserve bathroom, <laughs> we have two bathrooms in the house, but I don't really have my shaving set up in the second bathroom. So I wanted to give them the bathroom priority. I'm letting this go a little bit. But, um, when when I was growing up, we had uh, a place up north, small place, and right next to us, you know, literally like 300 feet away, was um, family from Illinois. They won, while we were up there, they won the Illinois lottery. At that time. But it was, it, it was breaking up. Oh. Audio. Audio is low and fading in and out. Audio, audio. Okay, I can. I'm getting. I can hear my own audio. I'm doing a live. Sorry about this. I'm hearing. I'm hearing what you're hearing, and it sounds okay. Let me do gain, 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 gain. Is that better? Better for all of you. I should be doing pretty good here. The audio is breaking up. Is it better? Okay. Audio is low. How about now? How about now? Can you put the gain a little bit? Drop the mic a little bit closer. Could be internet. We're cutting in. That's weird. I mean, I can hear it through my loop here. So I'm okay. So it must be something going on with the internet. Um, you know, which who knows these days. So I'm sorry about that, guys. Hang in there. Now I'm not stressing out the Windows 7 machine. This is what it's always, it's always done. Um, so yeah, the feedback that I am getting is is good through the headphones. 
Um, so, yeah, the drag that I'm taking here looks good. So hang with me. I'm guessing it's just uh, it's a few minutes. Uh, and I did turn the gain up a little bit. So pins sounding. I don't know, man. Um, did it just start that way? Did, it, did we come out okay? Let me do this. Let me let me break from this and let me play like a thirty second um, commercials and just tell me like if that's um, any. I don't know if it's kind of mic related or not. A little in there, guys, and uh, let's do. This. I'll be. I'm right here. I'll be right back. As chaos erupts. Torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, The velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. By the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. Okay, I am back. Um, anything different here on the mic? So, okay, so the commercial was fine. Um, yeah. And this is the same mic. I mean, it's the same settings I've, I've been using. So, um if everything goes to hell, I can probably throw on my my headset. But yeah, hopefully this is a little bit better. So sorry about that. Back. Okay. Good. Okay. I don't know. Just a weird thing. So I have priority here. <laughs> like I have the direct feed into the internet uh, from where I'm at, and then everybody else has the router, which is up to my right, mounted toward the ceiling. But, like, I get priority on, on everything, so I don't know what's going on. But we have, like, a hub outside in my backyard that serves our neighborhood. And, you know, it's I can, I can kind of monitor, like, we have neighbors who will download, you know, like, 100 movies at a time and just kill our internet. So it's just, I, I think that's what happens. Um, so... Um, yeah, I don't know where it was really. It's or it could be StreamYard too. Wisconsin internet is best. Internet is internet. I don't know about that. My internet cable runs so damn close to the surface that if I um, dethatch my lawn, it'll cut the cable, and then they run the cable over the lawn. Like, why don't you put it down like two feet instead of putting it one inch below the surface for a hundred feet? Like, it's just crazy. So I'm having. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but some, so if you look at a house and there's like stone out in front of it, like, you know, rock, stuff like that. Um, there's the plastic edging, right. That goes between that and the grass. Well, I did that. Um, I still have the original diagram of like how I put all this together like 20 years ago when we moved here, but the uh, squirrels are eating up the um, plastic. So it's pretty much gone and I'm having it replaced with concrete, curbing 
So it's architecture curbing, which will go around and, and it should look really nice when it's all in and it will keep the stones from coming out into the yard and stuff like that. Uh, it's not cheap. It's really expensive by the way. And thankfully I had it quoted, quoted out last year and the, and the guy at the service that's doing it, the guy said, um, he increased his prices by like 60%, but he's like, since I quoted you out and I couldn't do it at the end of last year, like I'll give you the same price. So that is being done June 14th, I believe, um, at our house. So, um, I don't know where I was really going with that, but anyway, it's going to be pretty cool to have that going around the house. Um, so, and it adds value. Like if we ever sell, which I'd like to, I'd like to go to Florida. Um, commercial breaks of the day. So yeah, somebody needs to be the fourth review for the book. I mean, the book is doing well. The book has strong library sales, strong international sales. Like half the sales of my book now are international, which is, a, it's amazing at the same time. It doesn't surprise me because my publishing house has a, um, their, their main branch is London. Their second is Maryland. So why, you know, so I'm not surprised at all with that, but I'm like, come on, somebody be the fourth review for God's sakes. You know, or get all of me and I'll get you, you know, a review edition and get out there and be the fourth review. It's just really weird. Like, I'm like, come on. So, um, but yeah, this is uh, from Andrew. Uh, Tennessee is awful internet. It's a miracle. I'm still online. Do not move here, Lips. So, oh my goodness. I thought about Tennessee also. I have a friend who lives in Tennessee who played in the NFL. And I actually uh, need to get a hold of him here in the next couple of weeks because I want to have him on the show. And he's agreed to it. It's just that we've never, he played for the Titans. He's, we've just never set it up. Just like Danny Woodburn agreed to be on the show, right? Mickey Abbott from Seinfeld. I never had him on. <laughs> so like, I need to get on my game a little bit and bring on, you know, some of the big names who want to be on the show. And Larry Lawton, by the way, like invited me on his show, but he never gave me like a time. So I got to get back with Larry to be on his show. So there's a lot of big things going. Adam Carolla, I got a connection there. So might be on the Adam Carolla show. Um, big things moving right now. But uh, but yeah. Um, so when I have my, my friend who was in the NFL, who played for the Titans, uh, we're going to talk about what it's like when you first get in the NFL, right? Like, well, he's been out of the league a little bit now. Um, but it's the question's... Like he's, he said things I never thought about before. And one of the things was, um, they tell you, they tell you like, um, tell your parents, right. To immediately get the umbrella liability policy because people will trip on their sidewalk and try to sue them because they know you're now in the NFL and have a big salary and stuff like that. And these things of where if people come up to you and say, Hey, like I want my picture taken with you. Like there are certain behaviors like you need to do to, because like if they take their picture with you and then they put it like in a calendar that they're selling or something for like whatever, um, it's just it's weird. So there's certain ways that they they right away teach you of, of behave what you should anticipate and then how to respond to that. And then um, I re I had a number of friends who were in the NFL when I was in my early 20s, like a lot of friends, um, and they always had a number that um, they would call. Like if they're out at a party or something, and they, they, 
aren't going to drive home or whatever. They feel whatever. Like they, they need an out. You just call this number and we can we're going to kind of talk about that system of safety. Like you go from college, and it's a little different today, right? Because like these college athletes have a name, image, like this the famous in college, and you've got money everybody. Go into the NFL, and suddenly you make hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. What that means for you? But yeah, I'm a friend, I'm a good friend on. <laughs> Isn't it kind of crazy though? Like, I know when I was sending out my books to people, I had a moment, a weird moment with the um, uh, at the post office because the the clerk who was processing all this looked at me, and I'm sending books out. And I have a number of friends who are celebrities. And I don't say that's a brag because I'm not a celebrity, and by having friends who are celebrities, I'm just their friend, right? I'm you know I'm not gaining anything or you're trying to like play off of their celebrity status to my benefit, right? But I do have a lot of friends who are celebrities. And so as, as I'm mailing these out, like I'm mailing these to some of their postal addresses, but others to their authentic address. And I remember like the, the postal intake person was looking is this really like this person? Dude, like <laughs> this is process it and put it through, all right? Like you know, um, don't, yeah, I can't talk about any, any one book in there, right? But, um, uh, yes, this, this is authentically going to who you think it's going to this place. Uh, so, kind of a weird, it was kind of a weird moment. Um, not that I don't trust the post office or anything like that, but it is a little bit of a, it was a little bit weird. So, what the hell's going on with the uh, the mic? Jesus, sorry about this. So, um, all right. Send every single refugee from California that moved up here to Bristol. G twenty three. I've been thinking about moving to Missouri, except the wife doesn't. Yeah, I'm in this spot here. I, I want to move to Florida. I'm going to move to Northern Florida. I think it might. My family on board. My oldest is kind of there, but which doesn't really matter that much because I'm two years to be in college. Um, but I do. Like, I seriously do not want to live here any longer than I have to. I am, you know, when you live in a cold weather climate and leave for the winter, it's very obvious to know why they do that. It just sucks up here. So, not working at all. Um, yeah, you know, when I get the new system or the upgraded system, I might go with a, uh, um, like a sound board type thing. And uh, it's no longer a USB mic. Although, like, this mic is doing pretty well. And I think something's just going to work with you. Let me do this here is charter down. Is charter near near me? Nah, kind of. 
not real bad, but some people in my area have indicated that it's starting to get too thick. So, yeah. So it's, there is some stuff in my old charter for it. Right it's been like in those things. It's CNT. CNT, you know what? CNT is a good friend. Good guy. By the way, there needs to be a, something in the background. Later, the big gap underneath the blue moon, which is the reference, um, which I could move to the But there needs to be something back there from CNT, something safety back there. And by the way, CNT, you don't have to like, build it and then here it is. Conceptual idea. Something should be back there. Um, although, you know, I use this background for other interviews and other stuff. I don't know if I want to tie it too much to this. There needs to be some back. There's too much of a space. Still, this whole wall of I've been contemplating buying these um, things that look like windows. They're like bright, sunny outside. You know, they have them at Bath and Beyond. But they sell those commercially. And I've thought about doing that because I don't have any windows. So as I would look forward, I would have that. I could do that on Feeling alone, not that difficult, but I could do it in vacuum. It might be too a neat thing, right? To have where it looks like there's a window in vacuum looking out on a prairie or something like that in complete daylight. So I got to think this out a little bit um, and see what's up there. Um, in March, this is Andrea, in March and April 2021, the shut down 40 feet across the street. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Not uh, hey, CNT. CNT's a good guy. And CNT, I bet you'd be uh, very, you could be the fourth review, CNT, for the velocity of information here. I don't have a tagline for this, but School of Errors was always the most honest book written about the $3 billion school safety industry. I don't have, an, I don't have a tagline yet. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, the feedback has been phenomenal. People read this book. Big, big. They'll come up with something, but philosophy uh, or CNT, you could be the person who leaves the fourth review. Now, the thing is, like, put a picture of the book up there, too. So, um, but, um, but yeah, you could be the fourth review on Amazon. Book is not primarily marketed through Amazon. That's the thing. Um, so, the sales are really strong, but it's mostly coming out of, um, uh, you know, Europe. And it's also heavy into library stuff, right? So, um, it's just kind of weird because, you know, I wrote through poetry. When you look at the Amazon stuff, Amazon, audio fitting on What the hell? Um, all right. Let me, let me, let me, I don't know what I can problem, what I can do here on the other I'm getting a drag off of the audio. Okay. So, all right. Anyway, sorry about this guy. I think it's a one-off. I think there's something in the connection. Because like I said, I just brought up Charter and they're having issues with the theory. Um, I haven't done anything with the mic. So, you know, um, I, don't, I don't think it's a mic issue going on. So, is this better? 
There's this one right here. So <laughs> you can't get any closer to the dog than this. But I don't know. Maybe I got to mess with the team. But I think it should be pretty good. What's up? How's it going, brother? What's up? If you're thinking in my background, there's something you can produce that can be back here, which would be awesome. I know. I'm fast. I don't have the, the tech skills that you have, but whatever. I think it's coming in and out. What the hell? Maybe moving it closer audio. Does this help? Video gym in for a surprise. It does sound like an odd filter effect. Well, I, I really don't have a filter effect on this. So I'm not running this for any... So I get what you're saying, Zip. Thank you. I don't know what's happening here. Um, so let me, let me check all my stuff. Is that better? Go right there. I'm going to put a little, little louder. A little louder, a little better. All right, switch back. Don't tell anyone, it will ruin your rep. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm, um, yeah, see, this battle's just taking the hits. Oh, yeah, interesting. Probably won't do that. Um, not your hands, dude. Yeah. Cameron, they're running. I'm not running OBS. I'm running StreamYard. It could be a StreamYard issue. StreamYard could be crap in the bed. Sounds like a YouTube issue because we just can't. I think it's the stream. It could be StreamYard. Let me just check. I mean, everything seems to be here. Um. Testing, testing one. Yeah. Installation is not. What the hell that is? That's automatically adjusting. Um, that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you speak quietly, most words do not come through. That is, I have my, my gain. Gain is up here. So this is really weird, guys. Sorry about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally like, I, I'm eating this microphone like, you know, an hamburger eating hamburger. So, um, I'm out of every five words you thought. So, broadcast is broadcast by the world. All right. Well, just give me a, give me a second here to try something. So, Guns of Barbecue, buddy, you need to leave a review for both of my books in the next 24 hours to bring you super good luck. Both books, Blue Bears and Velocity. Both books. Right, hang on, guys. I'm going to try, I'm going to try some. Hopefully, this will move the show.
Testing, one, two, three. All right. Hey, everybody, I am running the... Uh... All right. Hey, everybody, are you here? Breaking out the Logitech, okay. Yeah, everybody, I am here. Okay, I don't know why my audio is not coming back. Hang in there. Um, settings, audio, 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 audio. All right, camera is black screen. All right, are we back? Can you hear me? Are we are we good here? Let me know. Give me some feedback. Five times five. Oh, good. I can't get feedback from these headphones, so I don't know what's going on here. But good audio and camera, good. If you notice, I changed to my fireplace room with my piano in the back. So thank you, Cameron Sanchez. So yeah, I don't know what's going on here. So I'm going to retire these bad boys. My mic who let me down for the first time. Boo! That sucks, man. So I got to get a feed through my through my headset here. So let me figure that out real quick here. Um, Settings, audio, Logitech, headset, yes. Um, okay. All right. Well, if everything is going good here, guys, then I'll just keep it going. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't hear myself through the... Uh, truth of speakers so that kind of sucks i don't know why i do i have a um i don't know why i don't know why but if you can hear me doesn't matter so all right just change the background so it's kind of doing weird things here with my with my body so hang in there guys I kind of like this background, but um, what the hell? Virtual background. What do I have in here? I have a brick wall. Brick wall waterfall. So, and I have this thing. 
So I don't know. Maybe this is what we'll what we'll have today. We're gonna change things up. Um, audio. God, I should be able to hear this through my my headset, but I can't. So that sucks. So playback devices. Speakers, Logitech. Yeah, that's my headset, right? NVIDIA. Speakers. I'm not going to mess with this too much. This all could go straight to hell if I don't watch what I'm doing here. Um, all right. Well, I guess it is what it is. If you can hear me, we're all good. Five by five. Sounds good. Um, Doc teleported to his. Yeah, one of my backgrounds here. So audio is good, no videos. Uh, we're back. Uh, Bacon, you're running on my schedule. Only problem is I have the, that requires me to be there early morning. Actual day job, C&T. So I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. So I think it's at 1130. So um, you won't be able to hear yourself with the headphones. Okay. All right. Maybe I can hear myself through the... Yeah, I can hear myself... Yeah, now I get. I know what I have to do now. I'd have to throw your, which actually let me let me do that. Earbuds. God sakes, I'm going old school processes here. So if I hook in here, and I put my earbuds in. Hang on. All right, and then over, over top, and then, by God, it, it worked. So, so, so yeah, so that's all good. So, anyway. Thank you. Still crystal clear. It's a good friend. Uh, Sass one to many. Thanks, CNT. Good. Um, okay. Uh, let's get back to the topic. Democrats need to stop moving into Tennessee. So, yeah. And Wisconsin. So, this isn't working nearly as well as I thought it was. All right, guys. I promise. Like, I'm going to be uh, Billy Mays here selling you a wombat to clean your car. I do have a good show. I'll get into it as soon as they put all the stuff away. All right. So I'm back. Here we go. Let's get on topic. You're darn right. Okay. So today's show is Juan Brown and Orville Dam as citizen as journalist. Now, I wrote about this in the Velocity of Information Wreath. Um, the philosophy of information human thinking during chaotic times this book right here which only has three reviews you need to be the fourth look at this the damn thing is invisible right now so you gotta go right up here there we go so you're like why would i buy a book well because it has invisibility prop properties and i realize that wearing um blue isn't uh benefiting me right now with the whole uh blue screen type background but anyway i would like to live in a house that had that kind of back going to it. I remember the days I could hear myself talking during podcasts was not fun. I'm fine with the sensor to check my voice. Yeah. 
I know if this happens again, you know, it could it could represent a pretty significant issue. But I am looking at uh, maybe going with like a soundboard and like an XL mic type setup, not really um, a USB at some point. So, um, and anyway, but let's talk about this. Let's talk about uh, Juan. So yeah, Juan is about to do a major Orville Dam update. So right, Juan Brown has is a commercial airline pilot and he also has a private um pilot's license so he's been flying for longer than he's been driving and in 2017 the orville dam which is the tallest dam in the united states it's north of sacramento to give you an idea northern california so if the orville dam was to fail um basically you would flood sacramento you know with five feet of water water so that that's the significance of the orville dam providing water downstream to the sacramento area so juan um, lives near the orville dam and in 2017 as water was being released through the the main spillway which is made of concrete you know just think of it as like 10 lanes of highway, right? That just sloped down. About halfway down, it the concrete just gave way. And um, suddenly the it starts to erode backwards toward the spill gates. And if that would have kept going, right, it would have compromised the spill gates and the whole structure would have collapsed and a big disaster. So what they did is they closed the spill gates and the water kept rising. Now there is a there is a power plant, a small power plant at the bottom of the dam, but the power plant couldn't pass enough water to keep up with how fast the reservoir was, reservoir was, grow, uh, was, was increasing in height, right? So eventually the reservoir went over the secondary spillway, which was basically just, you know, land, right? <laughs> and, and the thought was they'd never have to use this, so they didn't never put a lot of effort into it. And it went over that. It did quite a bit of erosion, but it started to erode back toward that secondary spillway. And the problem is, right, if you erode all the way back to it, that would collapse all the water come out of the reservoir. So what I want to talk about today is I wrote specifically about Juan. I interviewed Juan, and I interviewed um, Juan with the intent of he is the citizen as journalist, right? He became the voice of the Oroville Dam during the 2017 Orville Dam crisis. So the dam itself wasn't at risk of collapsing. It was the spillway and the secondary spillway, which would have been the equivalent though of the dam collapsing. If those would have collapsed, the reservoir would have drained. Um, so this is very, it's very interesting right now to look at this dichotomy because the Orville um, reservoir is like at a, almost a record low right now. You know, so it's not even anywhere close. I don't think they can even drain water or, or draw water from it to power the plant, the Hyatt plant there. I don't think they can do it because it's so low. So if you look at it today, you would never think of how this thing back five years ago was at risk of possibly overflowing, eroding backwards, collapsing, and then flooding out Sacramento. So here's the deal. Let me read it through the blog post that I already have put up. It's in the show description. Um, let's go through it right now. 
So in 2017, America's tallest dam complex had partially but catastrophically failed. The Oroville Dam, located in Northern California, left operators scrambling to figure out how to manage a main spillway failure. Remember, just think of it like as a 10-lane concrete highway that the water would flow down then into the Feather River, and halfway through it just like collapses. <laughs> so remember those tense days when America was riveted to the nightly news for the latest updates? Remember the engineers who calculated that Sacramento which is a geologic in a geological basin. So Sacramento, California is actually in a bowl. Like if you look at it from a geographic standpoint, like it's in a bowl, it's in a basin. Um, remember when Sacramento will be hip deep in water if the Orville complex collapsed? The thing is, this didn't make the nightly news, at least nothing. I'm going to have it over here on the screen. So you're like, why is Doc looking over there? At least nothing more than five seconds of video and another 10 seconds of narrative. But that didn't mean Americans, Californians, and people near Oroville didn't have questions. They had a lot of questions. In fact, people around the world, people around the world were thirsty for updates about Oroville. And they received them from Juan Brown. In this episode, Doc who is me, discusses chapter two of my book, The Velocity of Information, who somebody will leave the fourth review for this book, even though it's half invisible. Now it's all visible. Um, face validity. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to read an excerpt from the book, which I will do. It's on pages 41 through 45. The Orville Dam. So the Orville Dam was completed in 1968. So it's a modern dam. This is modern engineering. The Orville Dam, it was a showpiece for the California State Water Project. It's located on the Feather River, again, north of Sacramento, east of the city of Orville. It's 70 miles north of Sacramento. Um, it's earthen embankment dam. It was used for flood control, water storage, and hydroelectric power generation. So the dam itself worked fine in this embankment, this dam complex. This dam complex worked fine. Next to the dam is the spillway, and next to the spillway is the secondary spillway, which is basically just a hill that the water would flow over. Those failed. And if those fail and collapse, then the water just drains out there instead of through the dam. Right? So you're talking like a major, major event here. So in 2017, let's go back to this. February 8th, 2017, during a routine water release. So the water was coming up. It was pretty high. They released the water down like this 10-lane highway, you know, which is typical. They'd done this for years. But it suddenly, halfway through, <clears throat> starts to, they start to see like this real weird water, this pattern in the water, and they realize something's wrong with the spillway. So they stop it, and the spillway has collapsed. It's eroded like halfway down, and ultimately, like they just, they find out like it's been eroding for years. They didn't detect this, and some failures in the design and whatever. But anyway, like everything looked fine until that day, right? You didn't really notice it until you're releasing water, and then it just wipes out the middle part of the spillway. Um, so again, this dam, um, the 770 foot dam that they've got issues. So the dam is over here and then the spillway is right next to it. But if the spillway, you can't release water, then there's a secondary spillway, which was basically just a hill. It was never really meant again to be used. If that fails, it, then the water comes over the top of the dam. So I mean, like all these are really bad scenarios. 
So the, you never had a scenario imagined um, in reality where the main spillway would fail, where you wouldn't be able to use that. So anyway, this was making the news. Juan lives up there. He's like, what's going on? It's getting a couple, you know, 15 seconds on the news. Oh, the Orville Dam, you know, and there are pictures of like significant damage to the spillway. So he's like, I'm going to find out what's going on. He gets up in his airplane, his, his um, Luscom airplane from 1946, right? He's flying around taking video of this. He's like, holy smokes. Like, here's what's going on. I can see. Here's observe this. And pretty, he posts this to YouTube. It's like a five-minute video, and it takes off. So let me read this. Juan Brown's first video of the dam. So the purpose of doing this is um, we, you know, everybody going to journalists and, and major media to find out what's going on. And, you know, we're in the age of, like, right, social media and YouTube and things. And you can find people who are authentic truth brokers. It takes a little bit of time to do it, but you can find the people who do that and tell you what's going on in certain areas. Juan Brown was that person for Oroville, California, right, to tell them what was authentically going on, what he was observing. And then he was following inflow, outflow data and stuff like that of the, of the reservoir and sharing that out. But Juan's first video. So here, just one day prior to the incident on February 10th, so again, um, you have three things that there are two things that happen. One is this main spillway fails in the middle of it. They have to shut it down. The water rises, and then the water goes over the secondary spillway, which then starts to erode pretty rapidly, which is a big, big problem because then it's like, you know, if the water erodes all the way back, spillway will collapse. Water will go down. Just one day prior to the incident, February 10th, Brown made his first video about the dam, fearing that the government would soon restrict airflow over the site. Brown, a commercial pilot for American Airlines, got into his 1946 Luscombe 8A single-engine plane to offer the world the rarest of bird's-eye view. Brown used a GoPro Hero 5 camera to shoot the video. He added narration and published it to his YouTube channel, which is at Blanco Lirio. So if you're not following Juan right now, Get in here. I'm going to post it on YouTube. Um, Blanco Lirio. So he talks about all things from dam disasters to when Kobe Bryant's um, helicopter crashed, um, analyzing that. So I just posted that for you. Um, that's his channel. Um, the video immediately went viral. It has since amassed more than 500,000 views. In the five-minute, 10-second video, Brown showed a command of the scene, the situation, and the possible consequences of the dam's failure. The view from 3,000 feet is intimate and dramatic with no other planes in the sky and no people at the site and rarity of the vantage is apparent. One gets the feeling of being led on a backstage tour throughout Brown's tone is even informative. He's never breathless or excited. That's the big concern going forward. How much erosion are we going to get? Brown says at one point, summarizing the fears of his neighbors who are watching. So again, like he is helping them out. He is going up and telling the people around Oroville and the people downstream, the people in Sacramento, here's what I see. And it's not only that, like he gets on-site privileges to meet with the people who are rebuilding this dam. So this is pretty, pretty interesting stuff. I wrote about this again in the book. Um, when he appeared at state informational meetings, so he would go to state meetings where they would, the Bureau of Water, right, would talk about what's going on with the dam. People would question the people, the engineers, and they'd say, but we want to hear what Juan has to say, because, like, he's up there, he's flown over this, like, he's meeting with people. So, like, 
then Juan would also say, here's what I see, right? And he never did it in an undermining type of way, but he did it. He was an honest broker. And and one time a reporter came up there, which I wrote about in my book, and the reporter would not have been granted on-site access without Juan because the they trusted Juan, the workers trusted Juan, and Juan trusted this reporter. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, so one of the things Juan said, so Juan kept covering this like almost on a daily basis until it was resolved. Like the water went down. Um, eventually the, they decided to run water over this damaged spillway and it didn't erode back further, but it was like this multi-billion dollar repair and he was up there for all of that. Um, but he said, you know, people want, there's a huge void or a huge market for just the facts. This is what Juan said. Uh, people really respond to that. And it seems to be lacking in today's modern infotainment industry. They just wanted the facts. So I have three lessons from Juan. Three lessons. The first one, see it for yourself. So he lived nearby, right? So he flew over this. So, right, he has this private plane. But he also drove up there. He's talking to people. He's checking you out from across the way. He's visually checking out what's happening. See it for yourself. You have not, number two, you have not because you asked not. So you have to have some initiative, right? Go out there and try to figure out what's happening with this complex, right? Go and ask people, do some research, um, but put yourself in a position where you can learn about it instead of trying to like just find everything out from your couch. Number three, be curious, but not cunning. This was an important part with Juan. He... Whenever he was interviewing people, whenever he was gathering information from people who worked at the dam, they trusted him. They knew he wasn't going to go back and spin some YouTube video of saying, oh, like they said this and it's not, like not accurate. Or or if somebody said something and it was a foible, a, a mistake, right, that he wouldn't emphasize that. You know, people, as he's just interviewing people who aren't used to being interviewed, um, you know, he's not, he's not trying to get a, get a gotcha moment, right? So that was another part of the genuine nature of Juan. And so you can go back, and I encourage you to subscribe to Juan's channel. Very entertaining. But also when the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash happened, Juan um, had a series on that. And again, he's not speculating. He's talking about his perspective as a pilot. And then also when the NTSB report came out of interpreting that for everybody. So, yes, this is in my book, pages 41 through 45 in The Velocity of Information. So, yes, right here. All right, let's go and... Uh, all right. I just nuked our virtual backgrounds, so. Here we go. Yeah, Juan Brown. Let me get the picture of Juan, by the way. So Juan, one of the reasons I had the picture of Juan in here, and not everybody else that I interviewed, was, so this is the picture of Juan Brown. But he's right there as they're reconstructing that spillway. So that's a multi-billion dollar spillway. That's sort of like 10 lanes of highway basically going down to the Feather River from the, the reservoir. So that had, you know, faltered halfway down. So the deal here is, though, with the photo is showing how close Juan was able to get to the action, right? As a citizen, um, 
and the fact that, you know, really most of us would be able to do that if we were persistent and genuine, we'd be able to get information. And, and Sass is saying, Juan did not inject drama. He never did. And he actually made these, if you remember, like in some of his videos, he did these inflow, outflow diagrams that he made in his, in his basement <laughs> or his house. And he showed those and he was studying the data of how much water was coming in versus out. And then the, you know, how much it would rise or how much it would go down. He also um, was talking about the, I think it was the Hyatt um, generating plant, which how much water could go through and the fact that you could only put so much water through the the um, the power plant without flooding it, right? Like that, you couldn't just open that up. That wasn't an option. Um, so it was, yeah, very calm. So the point in the book is we have people out there who are citizen journalists. And you can be that. Andrew, you could be that. Bacon, you could be that. Sass, you could be that. Citizen journalist talking about something that is happening proximal to you or that you know you have some expertise on or can gain some expertise or talk to people that have some expertise and giving some feedback on that so i think that is and that's probably like the future on uh uh future uh of conflict with uh, joe dolio that's why that channel has done so well in the last like 60 days like with uh, russia and ukraine um, kind of the same thing of citizen as journalists, like who they're accessing and stuff like that. So, um, but the thing is, right, you do not necessarily need to plug into the mainstream media. The mainstream media had this as a 15-second story at night. It was a little bit in the Sacramento Bee, but they never got into it as Juan did. And Juan was talking about, here's roller compacted concrete and why you use it and the engineers and here's their challenges for this. And people tuned in from all over the world to get an understanding on this. But I think Juan did more to put people at ease and then also to hold people accountable, which maybe wasn't his purpose. Like that wasn't why he went up there, but because people were really... Uh, tuned into the site, um, you know, what Juan was doing, um, they knew the questions to ask of the Bureau of Water Management. And um, But Juan is a truth broker, right? And Juan, anybody could really be a, a Juan on certain topics if you wanted to choose to do that, right? And as Juan said, like his channel was pretty typical before all of this happened. You know, he was doing like a Mardi Gras parade or out on his motorcycle or some flying stuff. I mean, he wasn't this big YouTube sensation that he is now. It happened kind of from the Orville Dam. Um, so yeah, really interesting. So rice, are there rice farmers downstream? I didn't know that. So um Mainstream media has become lamestream, not worth my time. Yeah. And I'm with you, Spambot Fodder. I am completely with you. And then, again, that was the reason why I wrote about Juan Brown. He wasn't getting compensated by anybody, right? Um, he's going up. He's take, He's disseminating factual information. He's not modifying video that he's taking. His videos are, you know, short to the point. But he's doing this for, like, his neighbors, and the people around and the people downstream of Oroville of like, this is what's actually happening. This is what you need to prepare for. This is what it looks like. This is the 15 seconds you might have received off of the Sacramento news tonight. But I just flew over this and here's the video, right? <laughs> and you can see for yourself, like, here's whatever. And, you know, make make your decisions. But, you know, you need to get to these meetings um, also that are including the 
the engineers and the rebuild uh, because, right, what happens? How much time would you have to evacuate? How high would the water be at different points downstream? So, yeah, great chapter. Juan Brown, uh, Juan was uh, terrific to interview. Um, yeah, we touched base maybe a week or two ago on this too. I sent a book out to him that was a signed book. <laughs> so I was glad to do that for Juan. So, uh, so yeah. Um, Sass is uh, bacon saying, Sass went to me, there's enough water to run rice farms in California. I'm from there, hard to believe. Yeah, I don't, I, that's the first time I'd ever heard that. Um, so, but right now, the Oroville Reservoir is is approaching like a record low. So really strange, right, to think five years ago, it, it was overtopping the secondary spillway and, you know, the whole complex could have just collapsed, right? <laughs> and now it's significantly lower um, to the point where they can't generate power because the the it's below the inlets for the the generating station and so yeah if you looked at it today you'd have a hard time thinking oh five years ago like this basically was overflowing um really weird keith what's up safety doc and all hey buddy so i'm using the headset today because there were issues apparently with with the mic so i don't know there's some things going on with the um the desktop unit though like i do have a uh one of my ram cards is failing so I've been getting some codes on that. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Like we're very, very close here to a major rebuild of the system, which will happen in the next few months, um, and then I think we'll we'll be significantly different. And I'm and I'm very interested in learning, and getting a basic soundboard, where I can do an XLR, you know, mic setup and not a USB, um, and kind of do a a different a different setup here um so i have some of those things in mind which will probably all come to fruition so uh but yeah so um i think i'm up to date here anything else happening on the the chat um so uh yeah heath is here so it's uh safety doc said Juan is a cool dude. Juan is very very cool dude. Yes, he's uh an airline pilot with um American Airlines, I believe, um for a number of years. And then of course he's had his uh private plane. He was able to fly a plane before he was able to drive. So just how long he's been doing that. So yeah. You'd be surprised what they grow in California. This is SAS, the Feather River. Feeds rice farms. I didn't know that. So the Feather River um, gets fed by the Orville Reservoir. So the Feather River would have flooded significantly, flooded somewhat during this time because they had to release a lot of water, even though the spillway was damaged, but um, the Feather River. So if you look on a map, right, Sacramento, and then you follow to Orville, you follow the Feather River, and you can kind of get an idea of, of what was happening. But I thought, well, what was also fascinating on the story is I was watching it in real time. Like I had friends who lived in that area who were making, who made me aware of the Orville dam. And then I was following Juan's channel and 
And I was just surprised like the national media didn't have this on, you know, like David Muir and ABC News breaking tonight, you know, the Orville. It was a very much passing story at a national level. And even in California, like Sacramento Bee had very flighty coverage of it. And it's like, whoa, um, that was very, very, very um, much uh, could have in one day could have become a, a disaster, right? Had that spillway collapsed and the Oroville Reservoir drains, you would have had flooding all the way down, including Sacramento. It would have been major. And, and it just, it, it got literally 15 seconds of airtime, a couple news stories, and it was very precarious for months um, until they got this, this figured out how to temporarily kind of shore it up and then to do like this multi-billion dollar fix on it. Um, so just strange. So Juan was covering the economic impact of the dam failure. Yeah, Juan was so comprehensive. He's just naturally, as a journalist, he just has such a, a great knack for that. The B, California B, wanted to know about the green, get a green spot. As, so, yeah, so you're right. So, the, the Sacramento B was focused, so it's an earthen dam. And now the dam itself, again, so think of the dam as being on the right side as I'm looking at you. The dam is over here. And then it's 770 feet tall, and at the bottom is a um, power plant. So they can let only so much water through. It's not a very big power plant. It's not like Hoover Dam, where it has a big generating, small generating power plant bottom. Um, and uh, it's earthen dam, and on the back side of this dam, there was an area that was usually green. So some of the news was featuring this and saying, water must be leaking through this earthen structure and causing this area to be green. And the reality is it had always been green. Like there were pictures going back to 68 when the dam was finished and forwarded. There was always kind of this, this green spot, this earthen dam. It's just the, the way that it was. Um, not a big deal. And the dam itself was intact. There was no risk of the dam failing. And there had not been a risk in the past. Next to the dam... So the dam is right here. Next to the dam is this big spillway. Think, think of this 10-lane concrete interstate, which would flow down to the Feather River. Halfway down, that fell apart, right? It had been eroding underneath. Suddenly, nobody detected it, and suddenly it just, like, collapsed, right? And the thought was you could erode back up until the spill gates, and if that happened, the whole the spill gates could collapse and obviously all the water would drain out over there, but not over where the actual earthen dam was and the power plant. Like that was okay. The spill. And then you had the secondary spillway, which is basically just a hill. Right. And the thought was that it would probably never be used. So it was never, it was just like all dirt and trees and stuff. So when the water went down, it, it quickly eroded back and that would have not held up. So that, Quickly, they realized we could only do that like one time, and now we have to go back. And they released water through that main spillway, and it did hold up. Like, it didn't erode back further because, I mean, it was mostly rock and stuff like that. And they dropped rock, big bags of rocks into there to kind of get them through the season. And, you know, there's a rainy season, then a dry season. And once they got through, they were able to 
make the repairs, but a multi-billion dollar project again. But yeah, the whole focus of, of you know, you say the Sacramento Bee, and some of the media that came up was they just came and looked at the dam and they looked at this green spot on the back of the dam. They said, you know, they came to the conclusion that water must be seeping through the dam and the dam's going to fail. But the dam was never the issue. And that had always been, you know, historical pictures. And, and also, like, it's just, it's always been that way. Um, it was the spillway, which was the issue, right? So, um, and ultimately, water would have never overtopped the dam because the dam was taller than the first spillway and the second spillway. So the water would have gone over those spillways. But, but that was that became the issue, right? So that's where you get Juan Brown coming in of saying, "Yeah, this is the dam, and there is this green spot which has been there, but none of this is an issue. This is completely intact. Like, and everybody here says this is intact. This, and I've lived here. Like once, like I've lived here. I fly over all the time. You know, this is not unusual. This is the way this is." But that's where the media went, right? The media was was saying, you know, right here, the dam has a problem. It, why would it be green if water wasn't coming through? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, I don't know. It's because there's been grass or whatever, plants or whatever on that side. And when it rains or whatever, or they, it just is. But the integrity of the dam, the earthen dam itself was fine. But yeah, that's where it was kind of this like, look here, people, which was really odd because like if you look at the spillway, the spillway was catastrophically damaged. And yet as reporting teams would come up, they would try to portray that the dam itself was was compromised. So I don't know. It's really weird. It's a good point. It's a really good point. Um, the B team. Yeah. I, I also asked the Sacramento B for like an image. And that kind of got to be convoluted, and I just said, forget it. <laughs> it was something in the chapter, and, and that's where, oh, it was an image. I went with um, uh, Irfan Alvey and the engineering firm. So in the book, there's an image of the dam the complex. You can see where everything is, so it makes sense to you as you're looking at it. Like, here's a dam, here's a bully. And, and the Sacramento Bee put something together that looked a little bit easier to digest, but then it, it got too complex to try to get them to agree to use it. So forget it. So I got permission from the firm. Every time it rains, there's a green spot. Yeah, that wasn't, you're right. It wasn't a big deal, but that's where the media, and that's where Juan was quick to point out. All I can say is it's, you know, as Juan said, I've lived up here, it's been there. And again, we are looking over here, like where this has actually collapsed. Imagine this big hole in the middle of this 10 lane highway that water runs down, concrete highway. Um, Bacon, disaster. Figured all that water went to avocados and almonds. So, yes, just one of Juan's flyovers. So, um, Sass is, well, Juan is such an asset, right? Just to everybody. Um, so, yeah, really think. Hey, we have 19 thumbs up. Thank you. 19 thumbs up. Appreciate that. Um, and again, as Blanco Lirio is the, the channel is the uh, Blanco Lirio. So, right there. It was interesting because when I wrote in the book, one, I don't know how many subscribers he had at the time, but like it's substantially more now. That's the thing, like when you write a book, between the time I submitted it and it was published, like one gained like 
50,000 subscribers. And so like some of that happened, like Morgan Rogue, the same thing, like Morgan has 31 subscribers. And she's really got like 40. So it's one of those things. Um, yeah. Um, one has a playlist of 79 videos of Orville. So yeah. So again, the point of the book, and thanks for putting that out there, Sass, is um, that you can be a citizen journalist, or if you're in a member check or you know somebody that is, subscribe and get information. I would say right now, like Joe Dolio, right? So if you go on YouTube, um, Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom, you, know, you can find Joe's, Joe's stuff. And the uh, um, Future Conflict channel on YouTube. But go there. Like, get your information from people who, you know, are saying I observed and who have, you know, boots on the ground plus previous knowledge and plus aren't getting a script that they have to read off a teleprompter. So he's just saying, kind of like when the government does a stress test on a power company for a planned outage and doesn't tell the public. Yeah. No kidding, right? And again, the Orville Dam itself was fine it was a spillway that they didn't anticipate i mean it was just one day this happened and then um i think they always probably knew i mean if you look at the site you you have to know like the secondary spillway you're like that will never hold up if we really have to use that right this is basically like a hill of dirt and if water goes over it so yeah um but yeah yeah not only that like think about banks and stuff like that now different area but me and Juan have something in common both of us learned to fly before we could drive bacon awesome we have an airport close by so when I walk I walk past the airport it's more of a recreational airport well it is not more of it is um but it's kind of cool it's very active where I live like there's planes flying all the time black Illyrio means white lily is his wife similar really like I didn't know any of that so I do know Juan's name, which is authentic name, um, not his media name. So a little hidden fact. Uh, Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom, Future Conflict. So, yeah, let me find Future Conflict here. Um, Council. Jeez. Um, future Let's try this out. Yeah. All right. So they have found them here. Um, this is, I was a guest for one episode, but this is um, council, or this is a future conflict. So they've rebranded a little bit, consolidated. You know, basically, every day they are doing a YouTube show. Oh, I see Bacon already beat me to it on um, what's happening in Ukraine, right? And from people who are there, you know, from Joe and his, Joe's a member of this, but, you know, they're authentically telling you about the landscape. They're telling you um, here's areas where we, we anticipate things are going to happen. Here's what authentically is happening, right? There's actually I, one of the fascinating parts of a show a couple of days ago is, um, I don't know, Maripol or one of the areas has a lot of tunnels underneath. And they said, you know, really like it, people could be in these tunnels, like guerrilla fighting for years. 
it could be like a Vietnam, con, you know, to think this is going to end in a couple of days or weeks is, is not just real. It's not realistic. So they lay out all of this for you, but yeah, definitely check, check that out. So Joe, Dol yeah, Joe Dolio and Joe Dolio has tactical wisdom series. Um, and now is doing additional deck. Um, his YouTube channel for tactical wisdom is doing uh, videos on different specific events, not related to this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's really come into his own in um, his book series and his media in the last two years, which is great. Really happy for him. Um, so yeah, it's really, it, it's been, yeah, it's, it's happening pretty fast uh, for, for Joe. I interviewed Joe in my book, um, the velocity of information. I have two chapters. One is finding indicators with Joe Dolio and one is building a member check. And as I, I joked, I, I said, I don't know how many times Joe's name appeared in the book, but it was something like 48 times. And it, like 19% of the pages, there's one reference to something from Joe. He's very strongly represented in the book, which is a very good strength. Hey, it is our good friend DLD After Dark. I'm using the headset because I had problems with the main mic setup today. So, yeah, but apparently this is doing the job. Um, I don't use this <laughs> this headset often. This is the headset I use when I do um, consulting um, just because I need the keyboard easily accessible in front of me. I can't have the, the mic and stuff like that. Um, but the headset gets a little tight after a while. Um, but yeah, so DLDA, buddy. Hope all is well. Um, salty is good if you can get past the language. Absolutely. What up, Dark? Uh, what up, Heath? That's a good friend. Um, here's the personal channel, Joe Dolio. So, right. Joe Dolio. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Joe's a truth broker and a tactical wisdom series uh, for his books, for his blog posts. Um, now he's starting a video series also. So he's really coming into his own with the tactical wisdom kind of branding, which he has the knowledge and credentials to back up. So again, really happy for, for uh, Joe. Um, so dude, I feel for you, my freaking hunter. I have a blue Yeti and everything was fine up until tonight. So I'll have to see. Um, I I've had my Yeti for maybe like five years and it's been good, but I do know that with Yetis like that, there'll be a point when it just is done. <laughs> and I am close to upgrading my made my PC here. And then I might do a soundboard, a very basic soundboard, mostly kind of more not for podcasting, but for the consulting stuff that I do and then do a XLR mic um, that would come down and then, I'd be able to, uh, it wouldn't be USB, right? So be, be a little better quality. Like this is a USB head headset and then, um, kind of work from there. So I don't have anyone around me. Like I can say like, Hey, can you help me out with this buddy? Like there's nobody I know close to me who does this stuff. So I got to figure this out kind of on my own, but I am thinking about doing a USB or not a USB an XLR mic setup. Um, actually, I've got a really nice Zoom that I barely used, and I might be able to just uh, interface the Zoom and has XLR jacks in it and, and use my Zoom um, for that. So, but yeah, I don't know. 
So we'll see. Uh, Jabra is is the best. So hey, it's our good friend CNT's back. It's our good friend DLD. And DLD, I don't know where you're at. You haven't communicated to me, but as I said, Pedro is still looking for number fifty. That's code for little orphan Annie here for old team. Pedro is looking for number fifty. Pedro. So, yes, Pedro. Uh, makes me grateful. Twenty dollar art Kempo mic still works. So yeah, I don't. I don't want to say anything. I think it's just gonna be a one off. Like maybe I'll just have to unplug it. And it's been pretty reliable. Like it's and it's the same mic Aaron Clary has. So I think Aaron got this mic after I did his Blue Yeti. But um, I I would like to go to a an XLR setup and I'd like to go to a soundboard. Um, so I can make kind of adjustments in the moment. The problem is like when I work with clients, so I do consulting, right? Mostly school administration type consulting, but all over the country. So um, I, I, if I have the mic in front of me, it limits the typing, but then also, um, I I don't know. I, I think if I had an XLR set up, I could, I could, monitor the the volume a little bit and although it's never really been a problem with people i've consulted with for the most part this headset's like 20 bucks it's a logitech i've 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 used this headset like probably crazy uh you know when you can consult because i don't use that setup i'm always using the the headset so um gets tight on the tight on the ears though so but yeah, this is not an expensive headset. I had a, a nicer headset I paid like a couple hundred bucks for and it. It I like this one actually better. Um, so you know, for what you really need it for and and things like that, people don't don't get into it that much. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Juan Brown, check out Juan Brown. The blog post is already up for the show. Or the description is the blog post. The blog post will be out probably tomorrow. Um, so anyway, uh, so I gave you guys some updates. And what do you want to? What do you want updates from the doc on? Anything uh, you want me to answer specifically? So I can. One of the shows I'm thinking about doing, and I'm watching the chat here, is bringing on Flying Rich again. And specifically asking Flying Rich, like we would work ahead of time on a shared Google Doc of what during a disaster, uh, what would be the benefit of a 3D printer that you would drop in with, you know, plenty of filament, right, um, into a place that's had a wildfire and a community has been burned down or a hurricane or an earthquake or whatever it is, flood. Um, if you could bring in a 3D printer, um, what would be like 10 things that that printer could benefit, you know, and you had its own power source, right? So, um, you know, last time we talked about this and we were just kind of speculating and, and Rich said like a geodesic dome, right? For either shelter or to put goods in, you could have the printer do that. Um, you know, there are some things like a spork type thing, right? A utensil. Um, which sounds kind of crazy, but right, like if you had to source all of these things individually and bring them into an area, 
you have to get that box of sporks or whatever versus if you can just print off something that you know you could wash and use over again for five days or 10 days or whatever um catheters are a big thing in like um hurricane devastated areas of having being able to get catheters and you can 3d print catheters so um we you know i want to make a list of like at least 10 items if not more of realistic things that in 24 hours if you had a 3d printer brought in what would be the things that could be you know produced that would benefit people in that setting right um and and the thought is that right you could bring in sporks but if you had the 3d printer it's or catheter catheters are actually hard to source into these areas right um i've i've learned that from people in the disability community so like what would be 10 things or 15 things that immediately you'd have code for you know you you could open source and whatever and these you'd have filament and you literally drop it in a pod and there you are and you can start printing these things and i think that's an awesome question and i think there could be things that we're not even thinking about but i also think this will happen in the next two years you will have these emergency deployment um 3d printer setups into ravaged areas and their purpose will be really to get you through that moment they're there for plus like 20 to 30 days then after that, you know, resources, other things would be there. But um, they're really like first line, like what would absolutely benefit people in the moment or the systems in the moment that have been disrupted? What would absolutely be critical? So I think that's exciting. I actually want to take that and turn it into a journal article. So I'm going to talk to Flying Rich. And I think it would be a fascinating fasting journal article for like crisis response journal where I've, I've written for them before to say, yeah, like we need to re we need to think about emergency response differently in areas like superior Colorado, where the wildfire came through, you know, and it's, it's again, what if you could immediately get in this, this container, right? This pod you could drop in of, you know, two two or three people and a 3d printer and it had its own power source like what would you be able to produce that would be essential for the next 12 hours for the next three days or are there purification things that you could 3d print that could increase some level of purification for some type of water you know and let's and kind of you know build that out until like these other resources would be able to backfold in so um safe down. can i tell juan you're talking sure like if you want to <laughs> i know Juan. like he'd be fine he knows i'm i think he knows i'm doing the show i told him i didn't i don't know if i told him doing it tonight but juan is a airline pilot right with american he, so he flies at all different times he also flies um cargo in addition to people so he does some cargo flights and he loves flying so it's it's kind of not by like it's not they say you have to do this. He also just loves to fly. Yeah, and any this is bacon. Any new fast casual dining restaurants building in your neighborhood? Asking for a friend. I don't know who that's for. For me, no, which is disappointing. Although we have an Arby's. 
Um, I don't. I'm I'm really let down in Taco Bell. I cannot tell you how much I miss the steak burritos and fajitas and tacos and the chili cheese burrito. Um, just to have a chili cheese burrito again would make me so happy. And yeah, it's just, oh, I'm just, I'm sad. I haven't been to Taco Bell in a year. And we, I used to do a late night run like this time, like, you know, it's a mile from my house. And so sad. This is Heath. People overlook feed shops for medical supplies. True. Absolutely true. Yeah. I have a couple of feed shops not far from where I'm at, like four miles out of town. Stop, Doc. You make me hungry. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm hungry for Taco Bell like crazy. So, ugh. Um, yeah. I need to find out if anybody knows, let me know, a frozen burrito that is worth buying and microwaving. I would put enough hot sauce on it to make up for the lack of taste. But when I was in college, I, I used to buy like the frozen burritos for like 50 cents and then you come in. But yeah, I could go for Taco Bell right now. The outside of the stripped down menu, our Taco Bell, and maybe this is a general Taco Bell design is very difficult to navigate because it um, has very high concrete curbs and very sharp turns and not a lot of space. And my car is kind of big. And so like, I don't want to take out a rim um, there. Like I did at my bank a year ago when they extended their curbing through their um, uh, drive-through, you know, um, for the ATM stuff. I took out a rim on the curbing that they extended, which was absolutely insane. Um, so I don't know why it had to be that, but but yeah, our our we, our Taco Bell is pretty much. I don't know they've if it's not during the if it's not like by six o'clock at night they just force you through through the drive through and it's not a good setup. It is a very difficult to navigate drive through. Um, it's on a very small plot of land very sharp turns again i have a very big vehicle so it doesn't um it doesn't handle those things well so the jumbo meat from a 7-2-11 usually you know one of the things i found at taco bell is if you're nice and it's night and you're like hey like could you load up a little bit on the whatever they'll they'll do it like right because what it <laughs> what is the loss for them you know, so I, I'm usually able to to get like really good deals, really. Uh, but uh, Filiberto's is across the street, Heath. So we've had a Burger King in town now for two years, and I have not been there once, by the way. Uh, what I do like is the grocery store in our town has a very nice deli. So it's all by weight, which is a little bit weird because like a chicken tender weighs less than mashed potatoes. So like if you're doing, you know, the, the container and you put mashed potatoes in, you get charged more than if it's chicken tenders, right? That doesn't make sense. But, um, but for like 12 bucks, you can load up with a really good lunch 
from the buffet and then you just take it and they weigh it and you pay at checkout. So like for $12, like it can really do well um, from their deli. So that's something I've learned. Um, so yeah, really affordable versus like the Mexican restaurant, which is awesome where I live, but it's 30 bucks for an entree right now. 30 bucks. I mean, with it, that's just the price. Inflation is just crazy, right? But 30 bucks. So yeah, imagine, you know, versus like, you know, $12. So a good friend, Shinobi Wan. Yo, yo, plus one shield. Hey, buddy. So yeah, I am, I am missing, um, I have a late night craving here, but I guess the Taco Bell's let me down. I guess we do have a DoorDash in town. I didn't know about it until I saw the vehicle drive. So I have to make a list. I could totally take down a bag of Doritos tonight. I found some pictures today because I was going through my computer and I have four hard drives within my desktop computer. So um, I had it built that way back when this was built, right? So one of one of the drives is photos and it has, and I have it backed up to another external drive stuff. But when I was first working professionally, like early mid nineties, I was, I, I was pretty big. I probably weighed like 240, 260. I weigh like, you know, about 220, 215 now. Um, but I'm looking at these pictures. I'm like, holy smokes. Like I was definitely like linebacker material back then and not, not that fit either, but I was like, Oh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I lost weight this winter, which was surprising to me when I went into the dock in February, because I usually gain cause there's not much to do here. And we don't have a lot of sidewalks cause we're the second oldest city in Wisconsin. So you have to walk on the road and everything ices up in winter. It's just, you know, it was, but, uh, I lost some weight, which didn't surprise me because yeah, I don't eat a lot of junk food. But um, but if I lived in a warm weather climate, that's where Aaron Clary. So when Aaron and I talk, he said, you know, Dave, when I moved out of of Minneapolis metro, right, like, and now you know, being South Dakota, Nevada, like I've lost. 15, 20 pounds. Plus I'm just more fit. I'm more tan. I feel better, you know, and, uh, right. They all make sense, right? Because you're out hiking, you have the sun, you have vitamin D, just your demeanor being out in sunlight and stuff like that. It makes sense. And that's just such a drawback of being um, in a Northern climate. Um, like I just, I do not like it here at all. So um, yeah. Yeah. I just read your description. I know you put a lot of effort into them. I don't know about the Orville Dam or Juan Brown mission to share, but then again, I'm in New Zealand. Cheers, bro. Good. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. So this, I mean, so at Safety PhD, that's where all of these become blog posts. So I do have a, a blog post I'll put up tomorrow, and that has a different picture that Juan took from his plane that he sent me when he was flying Orville. So yeah, I every show that I have done, thanks, uh, Shinobi, has a uh, description. So the YouTube one is not formatted, right? It's just like straight. The one on Safety PhD is formatted out, right? And they'll have a couple images and stuff like that. So um, wait, how tall are you? I'm 6'2 and 190. I am six foot and 
215. But I have very broad shoulders um, and uh, 34 waist. So just, if I said broad, strong shoulders, big base. So, um, but yeah, no, I was up, I was like 240, 260. So, um, but yeah, no, now I'm typically 215, 220, um, which is very good. Like that is like the weight I should be, um, I guess, I suppose. Cappy was doing all of his, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, funny thing with Cappy. So Cappy is a good friend of mine, right? You know, we're both from Wisconsin, you know, and lunch with Cappy, you know, a number of times during the year, stuff like that. But he ended up um, having to do uh, a fair amount of uh, finishing work on his place in South Dakota because the contractors just were not available. You know, the, it was kind of the end of COVID and also just not reliable and stuff like that. So he he's he's he actually did a lot of it himself and he learned um, how to do, you know, a number of these things. So which is pretty cool. Like, uh, I think he, it's weird because like 100 years ago, like a lot of people just build their own house anyway. But um, but yeah, he he did a lot of um, kind of the finishing stuff on his own. So he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, going up and down ladders is great exercise. Yes. Uh, we're almost the same size. So yeah. Um, it is. So yeah. Like I, I was down to 170. When I was in high school, I was always like 160 to 170, no matter what. <laughs> like you know, just metabolism. That's what I was. And then, um, when I was in my, maybe like 2014, 15, I was working out like crazy biking, uh, really trimmed down my intake. And I was down to like 177 maybe, which was great. And I was strong, but like, I do feel 215, 220 is, is just where I'm really meant to be. Um, which is where I'm at now. Like the whole 240, 260 thing was too much, but yeah. Um, so it is our good friend, Gizzard Gary. Well, hey there, Gizzard Gary. If you're not subscribed to the channel, please do so. I've been at 1,180 subscribers for like five months. <laughs> so I went from like 500 to like that, and now I've stayed there. And the thing is watch hours. Like I don't have enough watch hours to monetize. So sometime there'll be a super chat and it'll be amazing, but I'm not there yet. Um, so yeah, and I'm telling you guys, Goodwill is, um, if you don't go to Goodwill or Bethesda or like these discount places or like a, a pawn shop, like we have a pawn shop in Madison, Wisconsin, which isn't far from where I live, which is up the interstate. Now pawn shop will charge you more for good clothing, but you also know it fits, right? Because you can try it on there, right? And so, so like between Goodwill and a pawn shop, you can have great clothing for very little amount of money. And in winter, like my rotation rarely changes. I bought um, NFL thermal wear, authentic NFL. So it has like the player's name on the inside of the jersey and back of the name tag like not doesn't have names on the stuff it's like thermal wear so like, there's a place in minnesota 
where I order it from, they get it donated by the teams. I don't, and I don't get any of it because now I have enough. But um, so you get the stuff that the players actually wear. And you know then it has to be made really well so it doesn't rip apart on the field. And so in winter, that's all I wear. It's like these heavy thermal, you know, meant for zero degree football games. And then like, you know, my American giant sweatshirt and stuff like that. But now we're getting out. Now it's starting to warm up somewhat above that. But I don't, my my lineup from November to March doesn't change. It's like the same four shirts every day. <laughs> every, you know, it just rotates the shirt and then eventually it gets through the wash and the shirt comes in. So there's, and in summer, the rotation doesn't change a lot either. Um, I Yesterday was a weird situation. I do not have a long sleeve shirt that is like casual that you sh- that you can leave out, right? I, everything I have is meant to be tucked in. It's it's meant to be more formal, and uh, so I need to add something to my lineup, which is one shirt that is for that occasion because I don't have that. I that's one piece of clothing I don't have. So I think I can find that off of eBay. I've got a number of cool. KUHL shirts. Um, I don't know what the specific style of it is. I have to go back and look, but they do come in long sleeve and I wear them in summer all the time. They get a little warm like in summer, but too, you just unbutton them a little bit and just throw them in the wash. I don't really care. <laughs> um, and I wear these, I wear ex officio shorts, which they don't make anymore, but I bought a ton of them off of eBay and I bought them back when they were new like 10, 15 years ago. So as long as I'm alive, like they will survive. Our seamstress in my community died, which was a, she was seven years old, a, a wonderful, just kind lady who was from here, had a heart attack and died. And uh, I, I had a pair of uh, shorts I was going to take to her to have the uh, um, zipper replaced from a different pair of shorts. Like have her swap out the two of the same thing. And I'm like, oh God. So, but yes, I am. I am pretty good to go. And we don't have like a big summer thing here, so like, yeah. And because I don't like work a formal job, like this is what you would probably see if I'm consulting with somebody in California, right? Like you know, jeans. But this is I'll throw on and we'll talk and whatever. So, um, you know, whatever. But um, Goodwill pawn shops. No wonder why you and Claire are friends. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, I don't know if Aaron goes to Goodwill a lot. Um, does pawn shops. Um, Goodwill, though, I mean, honestly, if you you have to go to Goodwill with the thought that you're not going to get anything, right? Um, and then you just wait for the surprises. Like this sport coat was $7. And even if I never wear it again, I've worn the sport coat enough to easily have $7 out of it. And um, so you go and you just try stuff on, right? And formal wear, the reality with formal wear right now at um, pawn shops and Goodwill is people are dumping these things because they're not having as much requirement to be in office or it's office casual or people are dying, let's be honest. So, you know, if you had a sport coat and you're seven years old and you die, the family's going to donate this to Goodwill. I mean, so, and sport coats from 
you know, 20 years ago were made really well. So yeah, I can find a lot of great things. I want to do a leather jacket, um, kind of like a biker jacket. Um, so I don't know. I'm on the fence with that because I, that, that is something that has to be very specific to your, to your build, right? If you get a leather jacket that looks big on you, it's a horrible look. And of course, anything too tight looks crazy too. So like that has to be right on. And at a pawn shop, you're not going to have as much give on a something like that. But like we have, again, the pawn shop that is in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I could go in there with a hundred bucks and come out with a whole wardrobe. And yeah, so it's, it's a pretty good deal. So, which reminds me, I need to go back down there and just kind of check out what's there for clothes so <laughs> why not i mean i don't know i i have no i have uh, no stigma about that whatsoever reminder to wash any clothes yeah i do absolutely do um yeah even if i if i buy sport coats sometimes though they already they have a tag inside that said like this was dry cleaned or whatever so then you know you're in pretty good shape but you don't wash a sport coat dry clean it but um I don't have a dry cleaner nearby anymore because they went out of business. So I have to take things quite a ways. But yeah, I always get every, I always throw everything through. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. Like when I was a kid, like I wouldn't have, have done anything like that. Um, and now as an adult, it's kind of just the way it is. Um, I don't, yeah. I mean, I always buy new shoes. I wouldn't. I'm not kind of into, I, I wouldn't buy like secondhand shoes because like shoes break down over time, right? You want support in shoes and stuff like that, but like for shirts and stuff like that, sure. And I don't really need much else. Um, so yeah, I don't know. You think about spending money and just inflation and things like that. It's, a, you know, you, I look at things like, you know, people be like, I spent like a thousand dollars on a dress or whatever. I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? Like I, it would take me 10 years to spend a thousand dollars on clothing more than that. Probably. Um, yeah. So either, even the sport stuff I, I wear, like my sport polos, like my Packers polo, I probably bought like 15 years ago. So, but now people be like, Oh, that's a vintage look that he's doing. This is a true story. So I had tan ex officio pants on, which ex officio is an awesome brand, by the way. But I had those on, tan shoes, and a Badger, Wisconsin Badger polo. And it was it was a Saturday. I was taking class during my doctoral program at Madison. And I looked identical to one of the what the coaches would wear. Identical. And it wasn't by design. It just happened to be that way. And as I was walking around campus, it was game day. And people would stop me and either ask questions of me as a coach or say, oh, like, um, do you want me to help you to get to where you need to go? Or it was really weird. Like, people were just convinced I was one. Of, I was on the coaching staff because of this, this look. So it was like the one year we took a vacation. Um, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years probably 20 years ago and we were in South Dakota and, you know, 
it, it was, I don't, what would it be? South Dakota, Minnesota. Um, I don't know if we went to North Dakota, Wyoming. And like four people recognized me. This is, I had no pot is before podcasting and they recognized me from basketball because I played college basketball, but not like division one college basketball. And honestly, four people recognized me and yeah, stopped and talked to me. Like no one asked me for a signature. So it was weird. And one time, I don't know what the deal was with that. Um, it was strange. And yeah, and there was a time too when my we sold my basketball trophies from my summer league stuff, and a guy bought them. This was like 15 years ago, grad sale here at our house. A guy said, "I will buy all of these trophies, but I will only buy them if um, if I sign them." I wasn't there at the time, so my wife is selling these. So she said, "Well, come back at whatever. My husband will be here, and he'll sign these for you." So I don't know, like $5 a trophy. And so I don't know if I had a marker. The guy gave me a marker and he wanted to see me sign the bottom of every trophy. And I'm like, this, this is not Larry O'Brien trophy. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, this is a summer league basketball thing, but it, I had to sign these trophies and he paid me, right? He paid me before he signed them, but that was contingent on the deal. It's like I had to sign these trophies in front of him. And I'm like, I don't know who you think I am, but like my best, we, these are first place trophies. Like, but this is a summer league team. <laughs> like this was, we had nobody who went from this team into like, you know, some NBA farm league or anything like that. And including me, but okay, I'll do this for you. People live off debt. Like it's nothing. Yeah. So that's something right now. Is I've been telling you know, people the thing, like with the housing, right? Orange County, the average, average home listing is a million dollars. Average home listing. Well, back when we had the housing crash in 2008, right? You know, people, the homes were 250000 So people take a full 250000 250000 on a on a refinance. So they take it in cash. And then, you know, they'd be underwater when the value would go down. Now you have people who are sucking out eight, nine hundred thousand dollars out of a home in a refinance. So the home is worth a million right now on market, right? But like this whole market, this whole crash thing is going to be crazy. And living off debt, as you said, is, and, and there's also um, uh, since November, the amount of, debt that people have put on credit cards is an all-time record between November and right now. All-time record. I don't know if they take that on the amount or the percentage of what it is or whatever, but, um, and this, yesterday, I was talking to my brother-in-law who was here and he um, works in IT uh, for a a car dealership that has regional um, um dealers right so but he said our average transaction on um what is it on like extended cab trucks is one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. people are coming up and buying these for and then they're reselling them for double that but he said half of these transactions are in cash imagine that so people come up with 
120 or $130,000 in cash here in Wisconsin. And then, and he said, the process, you have to call a bank and the bank will be present because like there has to be this whole filing. Like if you just receive like this big stack of hundred dollar bills, right? Like where does money come from? <laughs> you can kind of guess, right? But, um, but this is, this is, now that's crazy because this asset, you know, people living off that people, these people aren't living off debt. They are coming in straight up with cash and paying $120,000 for a decked out Silverado. And it's not weird. Any, it's weird. It's not unusual. It's not rare. I should say it's Bolo. Bolo saying it's a scam to get your signature. So just like me signing books and sending them out. So Bolo, keep the watch hours up. I am counting on you. Bolo, help me, my friend in Canada. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a scam. Actually, yeah, I changed up my book signature, and I just print my signature in my books now. Um, one of the reasons was my, my cursive signature looks so bad. And from signature to signature, there's no interrelation signature reliability like i can send 10 i can sign 10 books and they all look different but i have a pretty cool print signature and i like it and it and so i've 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 just switched and i'm like i print sign i have a stamp you know so it's authentic signed by the author if it's an author event but i will i print sign everything i think people like it you know and it's a the big bold blunt, blunt pen and stuff like that but yeah and not and Sass is saying, and now, you know, this is the other thing if you look at investments, right? 2000, you had the dot com, 2001, the black swan, um, the, you know, the, the attacks. 2008, the housing crash. 2020, the black swan, the pandemic. Now, you know, the first quarter of this year, inflation and military conflict. So in 22 years, you've had five major hits to the market. And we could be hitting another recession, right? That's pretty unprecedented if you're looking over time. So like if you're sitting down with like your finance person or whatever, and they're telling you like, hey, any 10 year span of the market, you're like, yes, but this this scenario hasn't happened before in 22 years. Like this hasn't happened. And also this the amount of fiat currency that's been printed, you know, that we've increased our currency by there's 75% dollars more today than there were two years ago, right? Like that never, that hasn't happened. So you, you can't, and then inflation, like the 70, late 70s, early 80s. Yes, but back then interest rates on a CD were 18%, uh, mortgage was 20%. So these things aren't matching up, right? You didn't also have Bitcoin in, and these alt, alternate currencies that people were putting their money into, right? So this whole thing of saying past performance predicts future performance, I don't think holds anymore. I'm actually very convinced that that isn't the fact. And I'm kind of adjusting my own financial portfolio to that effect um, because I, I, I don't think I don't think you can look and say at any 10 years, right? This is what the Dow or the NASDAQ or things. I think things are, are significantly different. Like, you know, 10 years from now, I firmly believe we will have 3D printers in our homes, right? And you'll subscribe and certain things on your shopping list will just be 3D printed. Some people have meals 3D printed. Not saying it's for everyone, right? But I'm saying 
I just think this will happen. It can be like a microwave. So like your businesses, your brick and mortar, your Walmarts and your Walgreens and Walgreens too, like with theft, people just walking out with stuff. Like, I don't think a lot of these things are going to kind of be around. Um, so in entertainment, you know, uh, what is AI going to do in deep, deep fake kind of technology for entertainment? Are you going to be paying an actor, you know, $50 million to do a movie when you could probably have an AI gen? I, so, you know, I look at these things and like, there are certain things like utilities to an extent, which will hold up, right? Um, eventually homes will probably be built self-sufficient in 40 years or whatever. But um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just I I I don't I I don't subscribe to that whole financial advisor thing of saying past performance will project into the future. So my other well, thank you, Bolo. Appreciate it. Um, the agorizer that which can't mathematically continue won't eventually. Yeah, Heath, I've been in banking for twenty-two years. What is happening right now makes the Great Depression look like cake walking park. Yeah. And that's the point too. Like I've, you know, they're really weird things right now. So if you take out an I bond though, you can take an I bond out up to $10,000 per person. But if you take one out right now for the next year, you're guaranteed an 8% rate because right now it's what seven point whatever, and it'll be eight point whatever starting in May. So you get both of those combined. And then after that, who knows, but in the fixed rate is zero, but it's really weird, right? Like, so if you have in one year, $10,000 bond would be worth 10800 Now, granted, if you don't keep it five years, you have a three-month penalty, but it's the three recent months. So, you know, if the if it drops down, you can still have basically probably like something of equivalent of a 7% CD. But um, Andrew said, Turf Flinging Monkey, former YouTuber, told people to get out of tech stocks and into energy since last September. The haters only fun of them. Yeah. Right. I have some tech which hasn't done well, and um, my energy actually hasn't done well either, to be honest. So I think energy in the long term, because there's a high barrier to entry, I've always believed that, and that typically pay dividends. But, I mean, to start up a utility, it's regulated or, you know, <laughs> it's just I like energy uh, stocks, Um but at some point, energy stocks will hit the wall. It's kind of happening to Con Edison in New York right now um, after years. So I don't know. Um, Bacon saying, I'll make the point that meals can be printed, actual food, not yeah. Meals can be printed in a lot of restaurants. Fast food will do that. That's already been in, in white reports by General Electric, right? That they want to have these three printing devices out there and will most people just agree to it yeah most people will um you're right when i wrote about that in the last of information i wrote that 3d printed meals are not only happening right now but they're very close to becoming mainstream but i i i should have put in there a little statement from the author and i don't try to do this because i don't want to put bias in the book but like i don't that's not my preference so it's not my preference to get that. It's like GMO and stuff like that. I'm just saying in the book that things are trending that way and people need to be aware of that. So I I should have maybe done a note down below. That's the one point in the book where I should have said, you know, as an author, though, 
um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, my opinion on this is, uh, you know, this, this re replicated food production versus an authentic process um, that there is, there'll always be this, this divide, right. Of will never truly be replicated. And I'm not telling you the reader that this is better or not. I'm just telling you there is a trajectory that is happening. And as an author, I have my own preferences on this, which I could just say and not have to reveal. But um, but I get to that point in the book and I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think like I'm trying to convince them like just to accept that all of their future restaurant food will be 3D printed. I'm just saying like that is where the industry is going. Just trying to point that out. Ah, bacon, chocolate is a food. So, ah. Past performance, less guarantee. Yeah, no kidding. So, <laughs> it, it's pretty, it's pretty, I don't know if it's depressing or if it's amazing. When you look at like every one of your holdings that is um, um, exposed to the market, right? And you're like on a certain, like last Friday when the market's down a thousand, you're like every single Every single holding is down. <laughs> like every single thing is down, which is also a little weird that there's no identified safe haven. You know, even metals and whatever, nothing was a safe haven on Friday. It just is kind of weird. The Prussian savers. I think uh, this time savers will be robbed blind. What do you mean by that, SAST? Do you mean like through inflation or do you mean through physically? Because I, the thing that worries me is I know people, you know, Madison, Wisconsin, I know people around here, but in Madison, Wisconsin, people are just stealing stuff from stores. They just walk out with it and they're not confronted and they're not, you know, brought up on charges or things like this. So like people just taking things from stores, right? Um, so, and then if you're, so if you're saving, is it through like you're going to be robbed through inflation or is it that you're physically going to have the government come in and say, Hey, if you have whatever in savings, we now are going to take 20% of it for national emergency or something, which I could see happening. That did happen in Great Britain for retirement accounts. So I have, my neighbors are from Great Britain, so they've shared that with me. Um, the printed food comes from, yikes. So well, I'm not eating any of it yet, but I've been reading a lot of... Uh, the studies that are coming out, the, the uh, it's it's already done overseas. There are restaurants that do this, so we just don't hear anything really about it. Um, the joys of fiat. The market decides. This is from Zippy. The value, since government cannot do anything alone, the market raises the cost of goods and services, which devalues currency value, which destroys currency. Yeah, right. So it's a really weird thing, right? Because in today's which I've never experienced this before, but as things accelerate so fast, and thankfully, like, you know, we have our home we bought 20 years ago and our home is, you know, paid off now. And there's an interesting part I've been telling people, like with our home. So we live not in Madison, but not too far away from Madison, Wisconsin. So we benefit from a, a the ancillary robust housing market to an extent because the home price goes up, I have to pay more taxes. But in some parts of the state, like the home areas are stagnant. 
and especially, you know, things like water supply and stuff like that, you know, these areas that, you know, they have to drill a well down 400 feet or something. I mean, it's crazy, but, um, but it is. So when I bought this house, it was twice my salary. So we've had many, many offers on this house from realtors, very common. They, they'll, you know, they come through the neighborhood, they knock on the door and say, you know, we will buy the house from you directly or we'll private sale. Like, what are you interested in or whatever? And I actually had one of them uh, wrote me a handwritten thing after we talked and then like stuck it in the door a couple of weeks ago. But so like, um, if I were to start here today in the field that I was as an entry level administrator or whatever, it would cost, this house would cost eight times as much as my salary. So when I moved here and bought the house 20 years ago, twice as much today, it'd be eight times as much for this house. So yeah, um, that's a part that I think people are missing, right? Is this big gap between what your uh, salary and what people make and all that versus like a cost of a house. And, and right, that's not only cost of a house, but the house, the house insurance and, the taxes and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, all countries we do business with have been dumping the dollar for gold the past few years. The paper market is fake. True loans gold. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Um, Heath savings will be repatriated. Could be. I mean, that's a, it's a weird thing. Um, right. Like anything that you, and it, it certainly could happen. It's happened before in history, um, right? You could just wake up and, and it could be that whatever you have in, you know, maybe 401ks, right? There could be a certain surtax or whatever or something put on a 401k or I don't know. Gold is a commodity to be game like anything else. Bitcoin is as worthless as paper yet. It's 40k paper coins, so from Zibi Bolo. If it's down, it's cheaper. Dollar cost averaging means future possibility. Yeah, that's true. The problem is, so you're right. So when stocks go down, if you have dividend stocks or you're buying in, you can cost average. So I'm typically a dividend investor. That's primarily what I do. So right, cost averaging benefits me. Um, when markets are down, cost averaging. The problem is like when you have, if you're working with any type of um, investment firm, right? There's so much to participate in that, that you have to clear that hurdle. So like, you know, that erodes off of your, your net income, right? Cause you just can't own stocks. Yes. You can kind of own stocks without being affiliated with a, with a brokerage house and stuff, but it's not quite that easy, especially when you get to retirement age and some of these things. But um, anyway, the the twenty year T note is now three point one five percent, and I bet you that'll be four or five percent at the end of the year. They introduced that back two years ago. It was there, I think, through the eighties they got rid of it. But the twenty year T note, which you can get through Treasury Direct. So it pays out twice a year. You only pay federal tax, no state or local. But so that's something I encourage everybody. It's not, 
you know, if you if that gets to like four or five percent, you can pull a twenty year note. Now it's it's hard to sell if you have to get rid of it early. That's a problem. You can buy a ten year note. You know, at that point. So let's say if a twenty year note is five percent, a ten year note is probably going to be easily four. Um, Treasury Direct. It's free to set up an account, and you know, every every two months you get that payout into your checking account, and you're not paying any broker. Right, and you don't have to pay. The only thing you're paying is um, federal taxes, so it could be a pretty good deal. I mean, but you have to really, if it gets up to four percent or higher, because then you're kind of figuring, well, you know, like if you're with a broker, like mutual funds or whatever the internal fees there. If you have state taxes, you probably have to clear like six percent or a little close six between six and seven. So then, like if you're doing this and you're locking down for four percent, that's pretty good. Like I will certainly take a six or seven percent equivalent return. If I can lock something in for twenty years at five percent, I'm there. Um, I'm I'm totally I'm totally there because I can. Uh, yeah. So again, these are things like you have to think. If you, it depends, and it's my age too. Part of it's my age, but like if you have a um, hundred thousand dollars and it goes down by 50% to $50,000, right? So you have from 100 to 50,000. Now, if it goes up 50%, what do you have? Well, you don't have 100,000. 50% times 50 is $25,000. So you go to 75,000. So like that's, it's much harder to work your way back up. So like if you have a, a year where you're down 10, 15% in the market, you need that 10 or 15% Plus, like, not only that, you need to be up about 18% the following year, for example, just to be baseline. So over two years, you've gained nothing. And then you kind of just keep moving forward. So when you look at these things, it is really, people don't realize it, right? Like if you have $100,000, it goes down 50%, you have $50,000. If $50,000 goes up 50%, you have $75,000. 50% goes up 100%, you're back up to $100,000. So... That's where I, a lot of people I know who've said, you know, I retired in 2018 or 2019. I'm starting to take payments or take, you know, di distributions and I'm getting killed because like my account is going down as the market's going down. And I'm like, yeah, that's a bad situation. So again, like personally, I would rather take a 5% T note at 20 years and get paid out twice a year and do with that money, whatever I wish I could reinvest it, whatever, but, and know that I had that and granted, yes, all of that could change. Yes. But if that happens and everything else is probably on the table too, but uh, versus thinking I'm going to average in the stock market, right. And have fees and other things. Plus I have to pay capital gains and on dividends, stuff like that. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if five percent on a twenty-year T-note is really very equivalent to seven to eight percent return of a stock market portfolio, when it's all said and done, because you'd have to pay your state taxes, you'd have to pay capital gains, distribution stuff like that, and any brokerage management fees. So, um, but anyway, keep an eye on that. The twenty-year T-note—it's exciting because it hasn't been up, but it, it's also really tricky to try to sell a T-note once you own it. It's really a difficult, difficult process. You just cannot redeem it to the Fed. Um, that doesn't happen that way. You have to transfer it to a bank. 
I've talked to many banks who are like, I don't know how this works. No one's ever done this. Or to a brokerage to sell it. Well, if you transfer a T-note to a brokerage, they're going to charge you a big fee to sell it and you're going to take a hit. So it's not going to be worth it. You can just play it out until it comes due and then you get your par back, right? You get your amount that you put in, goes right back to your savings account or whatever account you have it linked to. So it's it's a you, you it's a risk. Like you gotta you gotta understand what you're doing. Um, but again, I operate very well off of formulas where I can say I know exactly how much money like I'll have, right? Based upon certain investment tools or whatever, or even if it's a stock or something, and if it's like it pays a 4.1% dividend, you know, X number of shares. Like, even if the stock is down, I'm not selling it. Like I know this is what it's going to pay out. I think there's a there's something to that. But anyway, you can't sell the same Bitcoin 65,000 times while only holding one Bitcoin. True, Heath. Yes. Jokes on them. I lost somebody. Every, yeah. Sorry about that, Bacon. Um, Zippy. Fiat needs to be based on more grounded logic, not nobles gambling for more. Well, my goodness. If stocks, currency were valued on average work or take home pay, you'd have more stability growth. Absolutely. Spend by. Nobody can repatriate my old Bitcoin wallet. So you got it. Hell, even since I lost the password. Yeah, I lost the password to my computer. Not this one, my laptop my administrator stuff. So when I gave it to the guy today and he's like working, he called me up. He's like, Hey, what's the administrator? I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, all right, I'll just zap it and we'll start over. There was nothing on that. It's just only an internet machine. I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of strange. I forgot. Um, Spambot. It will be devoured by the machine, the wealth, like a gift card. Yeah. Um, I have zero bonds. So, that's from our friend Sast. I always felt the stock was kind of the value of the company as a type of a, a tradable format. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Things are just behaving very strange. You know, I've been a trader, stock trader for 30 years, and just it's really weird stuff right now. Um, meaning like utilities, I think, logically – should be doing better right now, right? People would be putting money into utilities because they're regulated and more stable during uncertain times and dividend. And that's really not the case. Utilities aren't doing very well. Um, so inflation is probably 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's so crazy. Uh, see Forbes saying 19 inflation. Yeah. I am, it's pretty terrifying to look at inflation um, and what this will mean, right? As, pe as people are trying to maintain a house and an, a vehicle and drive to work and food and stuff like that, I just, um, yeah, I'm really, I mean, it's just insane. Okay, I'm done with my SDI homework and, uh, 6 a.m. comes right. We'll see ya. See ya, CNT Designs. Hey, buddy. So thank you for stopping in. I appreciate it. Zippy. Uh, too many common spending example day-to-day -day feels closer to 60%. Everything's crazy. Yeah. Feel is up 100%. Yep. Other than 
Yeah, no kidding. Who cares uh, what a TV from China costs? This is asked. Yeah. Bolo, I observed talk of food inflation, but I monitor my favorite freeze-dried food distributor's prices have stayed the same for years. Interesting. So Arizona iced tea hasn't changed price in 20 years. Am I the only one tired of hearing the world's ending and we're all going to die every five minutes? I didn't train for nothing. So, yeah, there's. you're right. That's where I admire where Aaron Clary, right? Aaron will be out golfing or hiking for a day and he'll check his internet one time when he gets home. So he, he doesn't, he, he's not following the day-to-day -day stuff. And really like you don't have to. And it just is, I wrote about it in Velocity of Information. The velocity of how the, the news, which is mostly bad and scary news, comes right to you by your phone, right? And it's there all the time. It's to keep you addicted and to keep you nervous. Um, so, yeah, I get, I, I've got my fill of it. Actually, I last week I was very close to kind of making a pact with myself of saying I wasn't going to check media and I also wasn't going to check finances um, outside of one time a week. And so far, I haven't, I haven't kept that pact. I never formally made the pact, but I think I'm going to do that. Um, I'm just going to take, I'm not going to sample things on a mul multiple times a day. I'm, I'll sample it once a week. See how, what things, what things are happening. Um, it's strange. Some things are cheaper, but spending powers down with screws with gauging things. I tend to go base currency 70s. Yeah. I don't know if I found, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of relative. Like, um, Think, so get this, right? Like antique, antique. So we have like a resale shop toward us. I don't know if you say antiques necessarily, but like a grandfather clock that maybe you would have bought in the 80s. I mean, it's like a best offer thing. Like nobody wants these things, right? There's um, so, so there are some weird things that have just fallen out of vogue, like that younger people don't want or other people, you know, people just don't want certain things. Furniture, furniture is a big thing, at least in my area. Like, um, and my wife and I talked about this because we had our, our kitchen table, our China cabinet. We had all this like custom made. There was an Amish community about 50 miles from us. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Bontranger, we designed it all out. He built it, took like eight months, you know, stuff we've had 18 years. And it's all, and he built like a bedroom set for us too, which is our oldest daughter's bedroom set. And we, and we just have stressed to our daughters, like these are legacy things, like never sell these. Like always keep these because the quality, right? You would never be able to, the quality on these is just amazing plus uh uh, you know, and they just don't get it. You know, they're just like, well, you go to the store and get it. You'll never get anything like this ever again. Like keep these things, you know, whatever you do, like this piece, this piece, this piece. Um, so AWK is a water utility. It's average 22 annual growth. It's one of my favorite. Let me write that down. So I like water utilities, and I think there's there's something to that right now. I don't own water utilities, but with all the PFAS and phosphorus and things like that, 
I think water utilities are set for a lot of investment. Um, so if it was up to me, I would just do a, a probably a complete utilities portfolio. So it's kind of my thing. Thanks for stopping lending to the petrol industry by 2030. Yeah, the ESG thing. It's weird though, right? Because like Chevron and ExxonMobil pay these huge monster dividends. So I don't know. Exxon's like 7% or whatever. Um, like Philip Morris is like a 6 7% dividend. So I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a big gamble. Like, so, so the utilities I own are all have converted a part to solar panels or wind or, you know, I'm not real worried. And, but I am worried in some of these utilities that aren't, um, they're more like transfer of natural gas or something like, will they just be kind of what will happen to them politically? But I also believe that in 2024, say like DeSantis wins his presidency, we could see a big shift. Um, and those, you know, those talks could come roaring back. So I don't know. The only news that travels faster than bad news is fake news. Right on, Andrew. The only possible world-ending event I know will be March of next year. It's Heath. Whoa. Andrew. Yeah, there was someone on Twitter saying grandfather clocks are not one. Right. And yeah, we have a grandfather clock that my father-in-law built. It's not a big one. He hand-built it out of a kit, but he was a carpenter. So it's like, but my parents have a very large elaborate that, and the thing is like, it's not in sync anymore and no one really services that, which is weird because in my community, there's a guy who's a clock guy. <laughs> he came and he like rebuilt this one and he's still here and he has like a clock shop downtown. But, um, but like really like I wouldn't have any use for that and I wouldn't want it. And how do you, what do you do with these things? It's, I always think it's amazing to watch these videos from like, you know, 1880, 1890, the, the richest people in the country and these immaculate big homes they built. Right. And usually by like 19, 20, 30, these homes have been torn down. Like in 40 years, they become obsolete or too hard to maintain or what develops around them. Or they, they get donated, like the Pabst's, Pabst Beer, like Pabst's, one of the Pabst's summer mansions is now the headquarters for a site for a residential home for troubled kids. So I've been to this, this building and did a tour of it uh, back when I was a school administrator of the, the main Pabst summer mansion. And yeah, like after like 30, 40 years, it, it just, there's turnover and they just give it up. And they donate it to like monks or something. And then monks eventually donate it to the school. But, and like, how do you keep these places up? And there's this, there's this massive entropy. And I think any of these things, if you have a lot of wealth and you're trying to maintain them, look at like these yachts that were, you know, so this Russian oligarchs yacht was captured. Right. But it takes like a million dollars a month to maintain it or something like these systems entropy at super fast paces. So if you build these homes or you're, you're in these, we have it around here. Like we have a, we have a home on the Wisconsin river, just outside of town that's built maybe in the thirties, several million dollar home, whole complex at a pool at the time, just this beautiful place. But every 
eight months it's on the market because it is so costly to maintain. And I talked to a friend who knew people who lived in it at one point and they said, yeah, it just is, it's just, it's crazy, right? You have to have basically set aside $20,000 a month just to maintain this place. So, you know, it is, it's, it is this thing where um, I, this, these systems entropy faster than what we think. Um, so anyway, Amish Mennonite furniture stuff you keep. Yeah. And it, and like he built it like his shop right there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and we designed everything out. Like we sketched it all out. So some of this stuff has really unique dimensions. Um, and it's just really cool. And he came and he put it all together. So somebody came out in a truck that he works with and then he traveled in with them and they brought all the stuff into the house and he put all of it together, um, which was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, this is stuff, hundreds and hundreds of pounds. I mean, and, and just these immaculate. Um, so again, we've been trying to, to convey this point of, hey, like eventually, like as our two daughters, as you figure this furniture split out, like <laughs> do not get rid of these pieces. Ikea is the stuff you toss, yeah. Thanks for letting me know. Set my house to self-destruct. I sold two 1980 solid oak parkade made in America end tables for 20. That's oh, it's so weird, Sass, right? Yeah, when you moved, I would have taken them. So, yeah, it's weird. Like, just some people just don't want things that are made well and have value. That, that I don't know. The only part that wasn't oak was the bottom of the drawers, which was maple. That's weird, right? My axe has already paid for itself dual-purpose lumberjack viking. Good for you, Bolo. Winchester House. Yeah, it's a good example, right? One of many. And you just think, and, and like the what the USS Sullivan's, right, that is in, um, that boat's been on the news because it's taken on water and is listed over to one side. Museum ship, but like I have, um, I know um, a curator on a museum ship. He's like, yes, he's just like, <laughs> every day is just like trying to, you're never making progress. It is always, entropy is always getting ahead of you. So, hey, Heath, uh, thanks for being here. Gary, US bonds is the best bond. So, yeah, for all of those, for, let me just try to bring this up here. Um, here. I would okay. The, so, uh, twenty-year T-note went to three hundred six. It was three one five at one point. So, it's trying to post it, but anyway, I don't know if it came up or not. Kind of looked weird. Seth is saying paid four hundred for those tables and eighty. Oh my god! Wow. So yeah, again, not our financial advice show. Although some night I'd, I'll kind of let you know on kind of what my philosophy has been. I'm typically conservative, which has served me well because I'm not conservative only on investing. I'm conservative on spending, so those two kind of work out. But right now, um, T notes, Treasury notes, ten year, twenty and thirty are getting up close to, they're getting north of 3%. I believe they'll get to 5% by fall. 
And that's something we haven't seen in 20 years, right? And, you know, I believe if you can lock in a treasury note at 5%, so that means the note will never go down in value. Now, th- there could be notes in the future that are 7 8%, so then your note, that you're kind of stuck with a 5% note. And, and granted, you have inflation, right? But um, risk is very, very minimal. Um, and if you're not at a 5% note, if you're not paying state tax, you're not paying any brokerage fees or capital gains, it's really the equivalent of making maybe 7 to 8% in the stock market. But every year, like over 20 years. like So um, So I think it's, it's really something to look at right now. Um, because for the last 10 years, yeah, Treasury note would pay 1%, you know, or something, 1.5. So to lock up money for that, it just wasn't worth it. But there is this thing happening, you know, with the way that the Fed is is getting aggressive with some of the bond rates right now, which it just is kind of being forced to do. And there could be, I mean, this could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, could be. I mean, if things go really crazy with inflation and suddenly for six months, um, interest rates on bonds go nuts, then go for it. Yeah. So Andrew's saying, yeah, look at three month treasury. So even, yeah, 0.82. So 0.82 was what a five year CD was paying back in January around here, five year certificate of deposit. So, so yeah, um, SAST was a spender with his Suzu. So, well, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call it a night here, everybody. I appreciate it. Um, uh, so, yes, a couple things here. If you don't own this book, please consider it. Please, paperback but uh, or ebook, whatever you want to do. It's great. It's a great book. Really, 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 really great. Uh, my first book, School of Errors. Um, there's a a fascinating segment in here about the uh, 9-11 Harbor Rescue from Lower Manhattan. So this book has 49 reviews. Somebody's going to be the 50th reviewer, so they will be awesome. I don't know who that'll be, but sometime. Not many reviews. This book is selling well, and internationally it sells well, and it's through my publisher, so like the Amazon sales don't really reflect what's going on. So if you like go into, I think, World Cat, you can see like books all over Europe. But um, there aren't there's like three reviews. Like people, like people email me or people will post on LinkedIn or something like, but I'm like post on Amazon, a review for the book. Uh, so I get a lot of feedback, but I'm just, so I have to encourage people. They're not putting reviews out there because I'm like, like people want to see that the book has reviews. Yeah. My book does have a hardcover. So this is expensive as hardcover. It's so th- this is library, right? That's why they do it now. I have the same book in paperback I, and very well made. And actually I prefer the paperback because um, it's easier to carry around. Plus pa- turning the pages and stuff. It's just, it's a lot smoother. And this paperback has been with me. It's helped really well. Um, so yeah, paperback is also an ebook. So, but um, yeah, they do um, hardcover because it is in a lot of libraries. So my copy of Velocity shipped this spam bot from the UK and arrived before it launched here. All right. Well, you got to leave a review, buddy. You've had it, spam bot fodder. So get out there and leave a review, buddy. Um, now, it's kind of weird because the launch date 
was originally April 11th, then it got moved to the 1st, but then ebook came out before that. And then, so it's kind of confusing and it messed up the AP, the AP press release went out on April 11th. So that was good. And, and so like the velocity of information was mentioned in easily a hundred like newspapers across the country. Um, and yeah, TV and radio and stuff like that. So, like, I have a list somewhere. I think if you can go, if you go in the muckruck or something, it shows like where the AP release was picked up. So, um, yeah. And by the way, like that book will be out next year in audio, professionally narrated by an actor who I can't tell you who it is, but I love. You're going to love that book. Uh, School of Airs. I narrate it. That will be out this summer, and that book will also be out in paperback. So, but the velocity of information will be out there for all of you waiting for audiobook. But unfortunately, by contract, I cannot have that distributed by before April of next year. So, one of those contract hitches. But uh, anyway, so, um, oh, yeah, we'll keep reading. And when you do get done, please leave a review. I would definitely appreciate that. Uh, the book has won an award already. It is up for another award, a uh, larger award in the area of nonfiction. So we have a choice award. Um, we are up for another, uh, the book is up for another substantial award um, for semantics. So we'll see where things go. That one isn't announced until I think October. That's once a year. Uh, Capulisto, yeah, spam up. And so, and my good friend Cappy actually will have the uh, audiobook before anybody else. <laughs> so, um, and the reason for that is uh, he will be doing the um, reviewer listen of the professional audiobook. So, it won't be publicly distributed. Cappy does have the hard copy of, of the book. So he might, he might've already put that out on his show, but um, so yeah, probably two weeks, Cappy will have the audio book, but that will be the only audio book out there and it's not for distribution, but it, he will have the review and uh, he loves audiobooks, So do I. And honestly, that's how I prefer to get my information. So um, somebody, one of my neighbors brought me over a book, Factfulness, which looks pretty cool. I've got it over there. And said, here, like, when you're done with it, do whatever you want. Like, I thought it was pretty cool. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. I mean, like, I appreciate it. But at the same time, like, oh, man, like, I guess I, I probably I'll try to find it in audio. Like, if it looks somewhat interesting. And But I'm just I'm just not going to sit down and read a 300-page book anymore. Um, so that's where, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with, with uh, Cappy. So he knows. He knows. Actually, <laughs> get this. This is Cappy's, um, this will be Cappy's book. So um, so Cappy does get this nice 32 gig 3.1 Samsung drive. So yes, I will put the book on here and then he can do whatever he wants with the drive. So my gift to Cappy. So yeah, I do have a mailer that I bought that I can mail this and then I'll have a make sure that it doesn't have any risk of getting torn up in there. But uh but yeah, so dun, 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 Cappy, this is your, this is yours. 
So, Doc, what a good guy to his good friend Cappy there. So, all right. So, yeah. Um, all right, guys. Um, what I'm going to do is take us out the same way it took us in. If you can, tomorrow the blog post will be up, which is the description, but it's more detailed. And there's a picture of Juan that he took within the uh, within his plane. More of an LG guy. So, right. What for? For Samsung? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's the I bought. It's a gift. I bought the drive, and it will have the book on it for him. So I kind of joke because like he sent me his um I think uh Spambot fodder. He sent me this was like five years ago. He sent me a thumb drive that had his um first, I don't know, hundred or two hundred podcasts. Although I think like the first twenty he doesn't have. And uh he sent it in a regular envelope and it got all torn up in the mail and the thumb drive got all bent up. And it'd still work though. I was still able to download everything, but I said, dude, like you got to do something like take an index card and like put the thumb drive inside and tape it around it. But um, actually let me look real quick. I might have that thumb drive from Cappy that he's no, it's not in here. So it's just, I might've just gotten rid of it. <laughs> but I was like, come on, dude. And he bought like these discount and no, I don't have it. It was, an, it was an orange drive, and then the metal part was, like, all bent, got mangled in the mail. So I'm like, I'm giving – I will – I have it well-packaged. You're getting a really nice 32-gig, like, tiny drive, which you could take anywhere with you, right? You don't have to worry about it. So um, – but my good friend, Cappy. So, yeah, everybody, I'm going to take us out the same way I am taking us in. Um, so let me go over here. Uh, so – And thank you to Spambot Fodder, to Bacon, thank you to Sast, thank you to uh, Solitude Surfer, to Andrew. Appreciate all you, all you guys. Heath Bolo, appreciate it. Um, so yeah, Zippy, appreciate it very much. Take care, says uh, Solitude. You bet, guys. So yeah, smash that thumbs up. Thanks, Andrew. Um, here's our banner. Yeah. Smash the thumbs up. If you haven't, I appreciate when you get my books, right? I <laughs> appreciate when you review the books. And if you do post a review to Amazon, a picture of the book does wonders for SEO. You don't have to be holding the book. Like you can have the book up in front of other things, something exciting, you know, book next to an axe, whatever you want to do. So definitely, definitely appreciate that. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks. And Sast, you are living in warm weather, which is awesome for you this week. Think of me because it is not going to be warm here. Speaking of which, I have uh, I, I need to order the backlog of the Clary Podcast shows to Cappy's. Well, well, we've, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> our good friend Cappy. So, all right. Let me figure out how to take us in here the same way. Uh, I took us out, so... All right, well, here we go. Take care, everybody. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? 
and what should people do to protect themselves. Dr. David Perodin clarifies human behavior during days, weeks, months, or even years of chaos. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change. Never has it been more important to sift facts. Describe the odor. Is it like when something electrical is burning? And so on. Ridiculous, right? We don't shift the investigation to the reporter, but that's covertly what the school district thought needed to happen to prevent their investigation scrambling principles from burning out. And as this paragraph smolders, it would be prudent to consider bringing students with disabilities from the sidelines of safety and center them to active roles of detecting and reporting threats. So we had a rather difficult meeting. Upon due diligence of examining the reporting system, I informed the district representative that I could not justify modifications to the existing model as such changes would make the system less accessible to students. Well, that was a short chit chat. The district folks believed or hoped that the threat input system could be modified and maintained with fidelity. I wasn't in alignment with that hypothesis. And so I was thanked and given notice that our partnership would be over at month's end. Business. As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident? And what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perodin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network. Reporter James David Dixon of the Detroit News proclaims, the velocity of information will empower its readers. Drawing on current events, history, interviews, and scholarship, the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast-spinning world. Never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning. There are teachable moments on every page. By the Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. Available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer. Hi everybody, this is the Safety Doc with a face validity check-in here on March 31st, 2020. Bellevue, Washington has started a tool to report stay home violations. This is from the government website in Bellevue, Washington. So we're going to scroll down here to my Bellevue portal and then to report gatherings. They've made it convenient. There's a map on the right. You can drag a location over here into address, write a description, and then also include photos. This is a practice we've seen in some areas of the country, but it's gonna be more prevalent Look for it in your area probably in the next week or two.